What's up, everybody? This episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast is brought to you by Off the Record. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a car enthusiast, which that fact alone makes it more likely than normal for you to get tickets. No matter what it's for, if you're a car enthusiast, you're out driving, maybe you're going a little fast, maybe you're having a little bit of fun, it's just more likely that you're going to get tickets. That's why you need Off the Record in your pocket. Off the Record is the official fighter of tickets of the Smoking Tire podcast. These guys, there's an app you can do in your pocket. There's a website, offtherecord.com slash TST. And what they do is they fight the tickets for you. You should never plead guilty to a ticket because you are just paying into an ecosystem that wants your money, not just now, but later, because your insurance premiums will go up for years if you plead guilty to that ticket. Use Off the Record and fight that ticket. You don't have to be there. Even if you get the ticket a 1,000 miles from home, you don't have to personally go to court. They do all that for you. All you do, it's a quick procedure. You take a photo of the ticket, you upload it to their site or to the app, and boom, off the record is on the case. They are the only people I use, which is why even doing what I do, I have a clean as a whistle driving record, and you should call off the record too. Get the off the record app and use code TST10 when you download it, or go to offtherecord.com slash TST. Get 10% off all your legal services. It is great. Always fight your tickets with Off the Record. Also, guys, new show alert. I have a new show. I don't get to say this very often, but my show is with Rob Ferretti, Amelia Hartford, and Tanner Faust. It's called Sorted, and it's a tuner car shootout show airing on Rob Ferretti's YouTube channel. Auto Tempest sponsored the whole thing. It's the best place to find a project car, by the way. And this is where we are attempting to find the fastest, most sorted tuner car in America. So you can check it out at Rob Ferretti's Super Speeders YouTube channel or go to sortedornot.com and you can get all the episodes updated right there as well as behind the scenes info with the hosts as well as the cars themselves. Sortedornot.com. Alrighty then. Where are the most important things in the room? Jay is right there. <laughs> That's good. Hello, and then hello. This is right here. This is a Habiki, and one of my clients brought over that expensive-ass ice. You know that expensive-ass ice? It's made somewhere. It's a, it's a bag of big cubes. Yeah. It's like 16 bucks for ice. Why? I don't know. I'm going to find is out. It, I'll, tell it, you, I'll tell you at the bottom of this glass. Mm. I don't know if it's the water that they make it well, with. Well, it's, it's a process because I don't – it's like the time it takes to freeze the water – is how how you know if it's going to be fully clear. Whoa. It's not just that it's square. It's that it's perfectly crystal clear. And it will stay that way throughout the whole melt? In theory. Theoretically? In theory, it will. Um, how does that compare to one of those spheres? Remember they used to do the spheres the sphere, back in the day? The, the customer who brought this over is an engineer. Ah. And she says that the sphere is, uh, in terms of like surface tension and how water freezes, the sphere is actually the perfect unit. And they if say you that go squares, science. squares are really second place, but they're stackable. <laughs> Easier That's to good. put them on a shelf than a bag of spheres. You know what I'm saying, folks? Um, 
I want to talk to uh, to you, the audience today, about pretty much whatever the fuck you guys want to talk about. Um, I'm flying solo, aside from, of course, Jay. Uh, Zach's working on a gig. Um, we uh, we actually have on Friday. Uh, oh, I don't like that shot. Jay. No, I, I know it's, it's, not it's not going to be there for long. I'll do it off. off there camera. we go. I'll do it off camera. And uh, <laughs> shot stinks. Working on something. And so uh, so we we actually have two guests coming in on Friday separately. It's a double header. I think we have Camisa in the morning, and then we've got Amelia um, Hartford in the afternoon. And uh, so uh, I figured I would do a little catch up. A little Q&A, a little, um, you know, what have yous uh, while I'm here, especially, uh, not least of which, because I'm going to be out of town all next week. I may do the show while I'm gone where I uh, record with my dad. Uh, a lot of people asked about doing a show with my dad, and I haven't done it, and I'm actually going to be... I have multiple COVID tests going on right now. I do. I had three three this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, because I'm traveling Saturday afternoon to go see my dad. So three in a week, and I, I think I'll be okay. But you've been traveling a lot, right? No, I traveled I traveled to Florida, oh. and then I got a COVID test when I got back, and then another one three days later. I'm good. Oh, okay, okay. I made it through Florida and Georgia without getting COVID. I think since I've been here last, you've been to Florida twice, though. Yes, okay. I have, and I got COVID tests after both trips. <laughs> well, it's good. You're being responsible. And my wife wouldn't sleep in bed with me either time <laughs> until I got COVID tests. And I, really? you know what? And at first, I was kind of annoyed, but I actually, I think I'm with her. It makes I think sense. I'm with her on this one now. Yeah. So anyway, I might, I'm driving with my dad from New York to South Carolina, and so that's a good time to maybe do a, a podcast with your dad. I feel like it is. I feel like you guys like, are on the road. You did that one with uh, with Zach in the G wagon. Yeah, yeah. And that came out really good. I'd love to We've see done, one like I've your... done road shows before. Yeah, they come out that. all right. I did one with Opie. I did one with Musto. I think I'm gonna do it with my dad. But the problem is they don't. Um, the, the the folks don't get to be involved. They right. just get to join in later, which, mm, frankly, might be for the best. <laughs> yeah, you can't do live YouTube like from an iPhone or anything. You can't. I mean, you I certainly could probably, couldn't talk to them. And no, you know questions. what I could do? I mean, I could do an IG live. That, but, but, um, but. <clears throat> Uh, the Jew in me says, <laughs> I knew, says I that, that I don't want to. I don't want to do a broadcast that are on something that is not a sellable number, right? That's smarter than me, bro. A B H. Always be hustling. Always be selling. Always be Jewish. Uh, <laughs> and with that, get in the super chat. Before we get to there, I want to talk about some things I've been doing for like just a minute while we build up a base of of questions here. Um, the Lincoln Aviator uh, I had for a week. I didn't get to make a video with it. Um, it was an interesting vehicle. I wanted to like it very much. And Jay, you can pull up my screen if you like. Yep. Um, it is. Uh, oh, I need to. Uh, I need really need to get the set my tools so I'm only getting the the big the big images here. Um, it's like it's like 500 horsepower, right? Because it's a hybrid. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's got the twin turbo uh, V6 also, all-wheel drive. It basically looks like a Range Rover. That's what I was going to say. Very that, that, Range Rover. I mean, a lot. It's a lot of Range Rover. And actually, it's not really even like it's a cheap Range Rover. It's not like the, it's like oh, that's a budget Range Rover. This genuinely looks like a Range Rover, right? As it's, nice. And it was ninety thousand dollars, so it looks like a Range Rover because it costs as much as a Range Rover. 
Okay. The things that are important about car design is that expensive cars and cheap cars, you know how you can look at a car and kind of tell if it's expensive or cheap? Usually. There's a reason for that. Expensive shapes are, are, you know, beautiful shapes are expensive to make. Yeah. And so uh, curves and things like that. Slabs are easy to make. So um, the Aviator, it was objectively, right, 500 horsepower, hybrid. It's got like 18 miles of EV only range, which is sort of stupid, but also does help a little bit in certain places. Um, on paper, it seems decent, right? But kind of typical American car company fashion, it sort of fell apart in practice. Uh. You could drive it in EV only, which was very refined, but if you gave it more than half throttle, the gas engine would kick kick on, and and it ruined that experience. Like a hybrid, yeah, but like, like a hybrid, hybrid like a Prius yeah. hybrid, yeah. where it's coming on and off. That would happen a lot on and off. And the the three five EcoBoost, it's got these small turbos that come in early. It's a big torque engine, not a high end engine. So what happens when you combine a big torque twin turbo V six with a torque battery? Right when that motor kicks on, you get this massive torque surge, and it's, like, not actually refined. It's actually kind of tricky to manage a smooth acceleration in this vehicle because of how it's programmed. Um, I actually think the, quote, slower non-hybrid one might actually drive much better. Is this like intended to like pull a boat or something? Was there mm. was there any kind of marketing behind it going, this is for this, or is it solely just Well, to the sell hybrid... Cars? gets you some credits, right? And also if you're trying to sell in Europe, which I don't know if they are, but this whole like the urban tax, like if there's an upcoming oh. urban tax, like in London, you know, a lot yeah. of these like crazy hybrid supercars and shit, they get the London tax because they can drive right. like 10 miles on electric only, right? right? So that's why you see a lot Without of these- affecting the low, right, right. That's why you see a lot of the plug-in quote performance hybrids where they have a small EV only range. It's typically to satisfy some type of regulation hmm. or get them some type of credit. Now, I'll give Lincoln credit. The interior was beautiful. It really was. It was a nice, it was a $90,000 interior. And let me get a, uh, I'll get an interior shot. Um, I really like Ooh. the the, the two tone. I don't think serves it as well. Well, and we'll use this picture. That anyway. looks very Range Rovery though. Like they were going for it the, does. The it Range does. Rover the look. turned aluminum. Uh, the turned metal is nice. Engine turned stuff. The um, the 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 metal is real metal. The wood is real wood. That so stuff it feels is good great. when you touch it. It does. And the seats are pretty good and really really well adjustable. Here's where it kind of but what and and also like I don't mind not having. A lever for a shifter. I don't mind really if whatever you have chosen is responsive. Hmm. And the look where my can you see my mouse in, in the screen? It's mm. these buttons, P R N D, which is fine. Okay, but a couple things. One, the wiper stock looks exactly like a Mercedes shifter stock. <laughs> so I had a Mercedes before this, and I kept whacking the wipers, thinking I was putting it in gear. <laughs> And then ah, once, even funny. once I figured it out, trying to make a quick three-point turn with these buttons, they're not, like, super responsive. It takes – you hit the button, and then it takes a second to get into the gear. So you can't make a quick 
flip a it may as well move. be a Lambo with a dual clutch. Kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's a little clunky. It's a little clunky. And so uh, the sound system I really liked. I forget what brand it was, but the sound system was great. You know, it was comfortable. It had a lot of outlets and storage like American cars do. Mm-hmm. You know, functionally it was good. It, it needs to be said, my one of my interior decorators for who both did uh, West Side and us doing uh, our new house because Hannah and I bought a house. Um, <laughs> drives one, an aviator, and really likes it. Straight up, I know really who you're likes about, it. And you know what right? I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Haven't you met him? Webb, you've met Webb, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. And uh, it, the car was here. It was awesome. It was here. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 he he really likes his aviator. And and he and so um, I liked it's. It, you know what it is? I wouldn't mind riding in the back. You mm. know, it's kind of like. It's kind of like a, a good chauffeur car, honestly. It's not wow, bad for that. That's that's some praise, though. Well, I mean, look, it's not a Maybach or anything. I but, know, but what but are the other chauffeur cars? I mean, that's a that's well, a bold it's statement. better it's better to spend your time in than it is to drive. Oh, Driving it is blue. Yeah, it's almost point. like not good, but like riding in it is good. So it's it's cool. So I didn't make a video with it, honestly, because. I was busy. I was running around like crazy. My, I didn't think the video would do that great. I didn't really like it that much. The video wouldn't have exactly been very complimentary. Mm. Um, and good looking though. It's a good it looking. was nice looking, and I didn't. <laughs> I did kind of hate driving it. I thought the dynamics of when it was in electric and when it was in gas and how it transitioned between the two was really not smooth. And you had to put a lot of work into making it smooth. Like why? What kind of luxury vehicle? You know what I mean? Isn't as programmed to be as smooth as possible, you know? Right. Especially a chauffeured vehicle. Right, right. (laughs) Um, So uh, I'm going to tease this. I can't really talk about it, but it was fucking awesome because yesterday was my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Trey Nine. Tomorrow's Nicole's. Happy Tra- birthday. Isn't it Nicole's birthday? Can yeah. we, is it, it's not Kuth to talk about how old she is, but have, say happy birthday to her. Yeah, okay. I will do the, exactly that. Um, she's, a, she's a young woman. <laughs> well said. Well she's said. a young woman. Well she's going to be 29 again. <laughs> That's exactly Just right. Just like my 29. mom and wife and aunt. 29 forever. Um, I'm, I'm a year from 40, so I'm, I'm really... Wow. I don't feel bad about it. No, you look good. So the young people tougher. out there, my 30s were a lot better than my 20s or my teens. 100% for me also. 30s are awesome. Yeah. 30s, you're still young enough to party, to have a great time. You still make some dumb decisions you got to work your way out of. A little bit reckless with money, but you have more of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can make plenty at that age, too. You can make too. more of it. Yeah, you can all, at 30, in your 30s, you can always make more money. Yeah, it's, an, it's a, <laughs> Your no body, problem. your body can still give to, the, to that <laughs> cause. Um, but it was a pretty cool birthday. I mean, as far as you know, shitty COVID birthdays go, um, we had we had our our quarantine circle over for soup dumplings delivered, which was nice. But before that, and I I, I made five videos in one morning, which I haven't done in a minute. But it was a fucking g ass morning. Because this is the lineup, and then I can't talk about it after that. I can only tell you the lineup, and then we have to immediately move on. Okay. No follow-up questions. Have you heard of Andreas Preuninger? Yes. Andreas Preuninger is the father of the Porsche GT program. And uh, he apparently had five favorite, had, he's still alive, has five favorite GT cars that they have ever made. And they brought all five of them to the track. (sighs) Mm, And it was dirty. I wish we could talk about it. Dirty morning. I can only tell you what the cars are. Well, that's what we want to know. And I had, but I can't tell you anything else about them. Okay. and what was amazing is five modern GT Porsches, I had driven zero of them before. What? It was all five of the modern GT cars 
that I've never yet to have a go had a go in yet. It doesn't seem possible. So it was a nine nine six GT three RS, not sold in America. It was the nine nine seven GT three RS four liter. Okay, the four point oh, four point oh, half a year or whatever. Four point oh, and these are all by the way serial number zero. Were, oh, they great. Were all serial number zero. Out of the Porsche Museum. Because they're from Porsche. Uh, oh, 997 gosh. GT2 RS. Okay. 911R. Uh, 2016 911R. It surprises me you haven't driven one of those. I know. I never got around to it. Okay. Uh, uh, the press cars were very, very limited access. And um, last one, uh, GT, the new GT2 RS. The new one. Yeah. So that's five heavy hitters that yeah. I'd never driven before. I made videos with all of them. The videos are embargoed until December 28th. And I also wrote an article for Road and Track, which is also embargoed until December 28th. But um, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Are you? Yeah, nice. Pretty are good. Are you able to say what track you were at? Is that part of Porsche it? Experience Center. Oh, oh right circuit. here at PSC. Yeah, PSC oh, circuit. Yeah, they have one. They have their, <laughs> they have their own. I haven't track. heard about it. It's amazing. You know what I can tell you about the PEC <laughs> Center and this this thing that is not embargoed, because of the COVID regulations, they are not allowed to serve coffee or food or anything. It's a, it was a press event, and I, God bless them. They're you know they're doing their best. Porsche. Yeah. You know they were the first people in April to give me a press car when the shit hit the fan. They were the first people to to figure out a system to get to people get cars, out. and now you know. Whatever the fuck they were gonna do, they had to change change their plans. So it's literally there. This is an event that's stretched out over weeks. The reason this is embargoed until the twenty eighth is because like I was like the first guy to have a go, but Whoa. they're only allowed. They can only do two people a day because every person is driving five cars, so morning and afternoon, right? Right. So they got to sanitize the cars, the whole Holy fucking thing. Smokes. So they, this event is now stretched out for weeks. Wow. As, so we as, have to wait till everybody we does it. we got to wait then... until everybody. So, so the quote new normal is no more flying to crazy exotic locations to drive cars when they could just bring the cars somewhere local. So mm -hmm. that's good, actually. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to lament the free vacations they got. But as someone who likes to vacation on vacation and work at work, I'm happy to work at work. You also have a place where they can drop the cars off. It's very convenient. Well, even here. if I didn't, they could drop the cars off my house, but whatever. Like the but I don't need to we, we're not going to be wasting 12 to 18 hours traveling to do one story anymore. Yeah. But we are going to be facing long embargoes for seemingly innocuous oh. stories because it's going to take everybody longer to get through the smaller regional events. It almost feels more like the old days of print. Pretty much. The, the, the days of road and track and Pretty motor much. trend, car and driver. And, yeah, we're and stone that aging guy, it. That guy on PBS. <laughs> it's Motor Week. John Davis. John Davis. John Davis is yeah, a legend. Of course. A legend. Of course. So, um, so yeah, so that's interesting. Wow. So, Congratulations. That so sounds fun. What I'm thinking is that because I have some lead time to fuck around with what I'm going to do, I think I should actually make my top five GT cars. Oh. Because I have to say, at least three of my five favorites of all time were included in this in this particular lineup. Were? Yes. And and, and I, they could have been there. I could have, uh, based on driving the 997.2 GT3 RS, I could have told you that four liter <laughs> would be... <laughs> My favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Based on how much I like the GT3 Touring, I could have told you the 911R would be right up there with the best shit ever. You know, so. How was the... Uh, the we can't talk about it. 
No, no. Oh, right. We can't talk. So can't oh, talk right. about it. It's can't embargo. Well, can I tell you really quick? I have a friend who used to have a 997 GT2 RS, and he he used to. His name is Mark Brazil. He told the story on our show. He created that 70s show. In fact, his name is Mark Brazil, and he created that 70s show. Yeah. What a great name. And for making Eric a show Foreman about the 70s. is actually about. It's him. Fuck He's out Eric of here. Foreman. Yeah. Oh. But he was driving to Radford one day to go shoot the show at his GT2 RS, and he was really cooking, and he. Destroyed it, totaled mm. it, fully totaled it. Oh no, was he okay? To- yeah, he was okay, wow. but fully Sorry totaled to hear that. <laughs> Guess what? GT2 RS owners, your cars just got more valuable by one. Uh, Mark Brazil. That was a long time ago, but I saw um, at uh, uh, at a Paul Walker track day because Paul Walker used to have track days for his friends. Yeah. He would just rent Willow and invite his friends out. Yep. And I got to go to three of them, and that was very cool. Um, Jason Statham showed up. Uh, when the GT2 RS first came out, uh, it was not a GT2 RS. It was just the GT2. Okay. 997 GT2. And he got to the track, and the car, I had never seen one before. And the car had 180 miles on it. And Willow is 91 miles from LA. <laughs> so, whoa. All right. And, you know, and he fucking sailed this thing off turn one. At streets at of the Willow. end of the straight. Yeah, it was at streets, but he fucking oh, went. Oh, oh, he went street. right streets of Willow. Yep. So it goes right instead of left. Yep. But still, just as shitty. You go wow. off the end of the straight. You're in the shit. Whoa. And he fucking did not, he did a little damage. He didn't wreck. He didn't wreck. I was gonna say you can drive out of that. He though, drove right? out Where of that it. Is. He drove out of it. The car had a fine layer of dust in the whole thing, and he had chunked the shit out of two of the wheels, which were black. They were powder coated black, and they were you know when they're chunked, they were it was very visible, <laughs> very apparent. They were. Yeah, if you go off at Willow, you are doing damage. It's a bad place. It's really rocky. It looks like dirt from afar until you're walking no. or driving through it. When you're when it's you're like going Mars. through it sideways, it's mm. it's canyons. Well it's said. one canyon after another. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> surface of the moon. Speaking of uh, wheels and damage, I've got this GT 350R this week. Mm. Um, which let me see if don't go to my screen yet, but let okay. me see if this photo p- pulled up in my iCloud and my iPhoto because it's I want to show it. Oh, it has. Okay, hang on one second. I was talking don't. to Misha about that car the other day so at the kitchen. I I got this one, and um, you can pull up my screen whenever you're ready because it's uh, it's the GT 350R, and it's they call it it's a heritage. Package like color, it's like so it's w- Wimbledon white, right? Mm. That's the color. For, so it's the Wimbledon white, and it's got the stripes. But, 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 cut away from me real quick because I don't want to show my whole shit. But uh, n- now go back. Um, what you're looking at here, and for those listening to the audience, I'm talking about the Heritage Stripe package, which costs about eighteen hundred dollars on this car. Come on, let me tell you how much I love. I mean, I love the GT350R. This the GT350R. I can't tell you about all those Porsches I drove yesterday, but what I can tell you was I drove there in the GT350R, and after driving five of the most fabulous Porsches anyone could ever dream of driving, I then got back into the GT350R to drive home, and I did not feel like I was really downgrading and I don't, when I say that, obviously down, you're downgrading when you go from a Porsche, a 911 to, to a Mustang. Like, yes, yeah, some materials were cheaper, but, but the GT350R is by far the closest that an American car company has ever come to building a, a GT3, a 911 wow. GT3. It's the closest, like, in terms of, like, the shit that you do to get a 911 to be a GT3, that is done here. The you know the engine's completely different. The gearbox is completely different. You know the the C, things are things that are done like that formula 
is correctly applied. And so you're starting with a Mustang, so your level of, of is, is lower <laughs> that you're starting with, right? But, and there's obvious limitations, but still, I mean, what a fucking piece of hardware this thing is. And the, the engine is so great still, four years later, it's gonna be great. But the sticker package. 1800. It do, forget how much it costs. Okay. I don't care how much it costs. What we're looking at here is the most American thing that a car company could do. The GT350 logo that you see on the badge, the one we've been seeing, the, the metal badge, mm -hmm. is a really, really well-chosen font. The line that goes through it is that Carroll Shelby logo, right? You know what I'm saying? That, that the GT350 italicized font mm -hmm. is the Carroll Shelby logo oh, I see your point. font it's, italicized, yes. right? Yeah. So it says Heritage, it says Shelby if you're looking quote closely, and it's aggressive and it matches the car. They then put this fucking sticker on here. This looks like someone did an AutoZone sticker <laughs> job. I mean, literally. But isn't that what it's what the classic ones? Well, okay. Here's now. Here's your, your argument is. Well, it's a it's, fair there's one. no argument. I'm just asking. No, no, no it's not your <laughs> argument. The argument is that well, the sticker is the old one. It's the '65. Yeah, that's the font and the and the color and everything from '65. Right. My point is, they shouldn't have done that. My point is, someone should have looked at that and go, yeah, well. It is the font from 65, but it looks fucking horrible. Interesting. It looks cheap and tacky, and it's a different font from this badge that we have carefully considered and is 12 inches away. If you did exactly the same thing as you did, but made it the same font as the badge... I agree I, with everything you're saying. I think what I would do is lose that badge off that that door there. Maybe or that you lose or the badge, May, or change it to a snake, yeah. change it to a cobra, right? right? So right. I agree so, with you there. It's right? too much. It's too. It's two brandings with two different choices for what the. What I the showed this was. to my wife, who's really in in research. You know, she's involved in UX research. So for yeah. two years, I mean, it was and and for four, the last two years now, and she's three years. She's been in social media UX research, like fonts, shapes, colors, like all that shit. She looked at this and went, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" Like, yeah, horrified. And like, I agree with you. Lose the badge or put a snake there. Change yeah. the badge. Um, and for those of you on the audio, when you get home, just Google GT350 Heritage Edition because it's so mismatched. And I'm dwelling on something that's going to seem insignificant to a lot of people. It will now because we've blown it up, I think. You can't unsee it, dude. You could, the car's parked in the street. <laughs> Look, I'm going to go back. You cannot unsee it. It's enormous on the side of the car. It you, is. It looks terrible. But it's what the. <laughs> but if you're going to have that stripe, if you're a Mustang guy, like if you want that stripe, that's what it. That's what it's supposed to look like. I think it. I, I, I disagree. To the, I disagree. The, I think you could have used the badge font on the stripe, and it would look okay, and it would work. Yeah, I believe and it you. would work. You'd have the you'd have the evocative of the past, but modernized to the future. You don't it's, do the exact thing from the past. It is odd to see. Here's an it's example. Such a straight look. The, the last picture showed it better, but it's weird to see with that crazy angle for the vent. It it's, doesn't it's match. Modern lines and classic lines combined. They and just that doesn't don't go match. Together. It's like putting a putting one of them old ass bodies on a C5 Corvette. The shit just <laughs> don't work. You don't mix and match like that. The proportions aren't right. 
if you <laughs> see your point, right? Yeah, I do. Like, but it, uh, yeah, then like maybe if even this was no, Porsche, then just a stripe. Because I was at Porsche and that the Carrera fonts, right? The R, the Carrera 911 GT3 R, the font and the sticker matches the font and the badge. Is that true? Yes. That was always that was going to be my example. Of a course, second it ago. matches. But Why it, wouldn't it fucking match? Well, I'm trying to think. Like the RS is the first time it said Carrera, right? And then the 2.7 RS, it said Carrera. Yeah. And then the badge said Carrera RS, and that was the same. The same. Okay. Yes. Then you got me. Yeah. There was like a period in the 80s where they went, you know, kind of super 80s on it. But 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 fundamentally, so even like that modern GT3 is like that GT3 matches. font. It's the same on yeah, the matches. side. Yeah. yeah, it all matches. So again, though, they yeah. So that's your point. I, yeah, I'm, then I'm with you. I'm it with just you. Look, it just looks tacky. I like the heritage, especially oh, say, since they're calling it heritage. But yeah. it doesn't look good with well, the Wimbledon other stuff. Well, Wimbledon white with blue stripes looks cool. And yeah. I'm not going to argue that at all. I'm down with the Wimbledon white. I'm down with the blue stripes. Like, I get what you're doing here. Yeah. But you got to... But like, pick a side, right? Well, you can't be so literal. Here's where it went well, and here's where it went badly. Where it went well, Aston Martin, Ma, uh, not uh, excuse me, Ferrari Monzas, the single seater thing they just did, where yeah. it's futuristic but evocative of the past, but it doesn't have literal. It's the one with the open wheels. The uh, open no windshield. Okay, not open wheel, but it's like no windshield single okay. seater thing. I do know what you're talking about. SP one, like SP two kind of thing. I'll, I'll get. Hang on. I'll Hang on, I'll get, I'll get you. Oh, I'll get you. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, sorry, people. No, I should be doing it. <laughs> you should, but like I can, if I if I was like not distracted, like so. Here, here you go. Here's where it's done well, and I'm gonna open. This is your Ferrari Monza. So you've got a couple yeah, little details cool. that are reminiscent of the thing from back in the day. Where is it done badly? The <laughs> <laughs> the Aston Martin. The Aston Martin lipstick. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The Aston Martin lipstick colors like this are where that literalness from your past is done really badly. So yeah, to I me, that's it. a fail. And the Shelby stripe is a fail, whereas the Ferrari Monza is a success. Did the Eleanor one say GT500 on it, or did it just have the black stripe? Do you remember? Mm. Seems, seems like people are, there's a lot, Eleanor really influenced the Mustang community yeah. way more than they ever intended it to. I am with you, and let me see, I think it does. I think it does say GT500, I Not only I that, remember. I think it might say KR. It might say GT500KR. Here's the actual one. From Gone in 60 Seconds and what? KR was the Knight Rider edition. No, no, it came out later. <laughs> KR was King of the Road. <laughs> but didn't that come out during the Knight Rider one? No. <laughs> you seriously? <laughs> no, it, the, the one from Gone in 60 Seconds, uh, 2000, I have a picture of it pulled up on my screen. It just says GT500. Yeah, okay. Side. Yeah. Yeah. I, when that car came out, that when that GT500 came out, I thought it was very, very cool. I still do. That's a I, real I, good pro touring build. The sucky is that there's so many of them that it's hard to find Eleanor Special anymore. But oh, I, yeah. But I, when it came out, did I ever tell you the story about, like, I had an opportunity to buy one of those? One of the movie cars oh, from really? CVS? I was doing a tremendous amount of work with them. I was working I on a show. CBS and not CVS. If they're selling it CVS, I can't wait to see the receipt for that thing. It's like 30 I, miles long. I actually do mean CVS because it's cinema vehicle services, not consumer value <laughs> products or whatever. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, 
but they are the ones who made them for the movie. And uh, there was one left uh, that they were gonna that the owner Roy was gonna uh, Ray was gonna sell. And I got it. It was I wanted a hundred grand. I got him down to like eighty five, and I couldn't get the money together. I was twenty something years old. I couldn't get the money. Was it a, uh, a an A car? Like was, was it was it was absolutely not. It would have absolutely <coughs> be considered a stunt car. It wasn't oh, man, even fully yeah. fully done. But he was going to finish it for me, and he was gonna put a four speed manual in it and stuff like that. It was gonna be like the car, and we had this whole deal put together, and I couldn't fund it. <laughs> well, in case you and, want to know how much money you'd be oh, lost. Oh, no, I already know. I already know. Uh, so this bad. This one, uh, which is one of the cars from the film, is now posted for sale in Germany. Is there a price here? It's in German. It might be an auction site. I can't really tell. I tell the story. It was about two years after I couldn't put that deal together. The replicas were selling for like 200 grand, like a well-built replica. I mean, this replica. is probably... At least that. I, this is all in fucking German. I don't know. The oh, last time description. The last time one traded hands, it was like a million bucks. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. It was like a million bucks. I said, God, give me a price, homie. The uh, the best one. There was only one real uh, GT500, and that one actually went to and is still sitting outside of Jerry Bruckheimer's office in Santa Monica. Oh, really? Yeah. Sitting outside of it? Yes. Like, <laughs> last like time I saw it, it was dirt, or like, like as a display. Like as a display, oh. but sitting in front of the building. Oh, really? Like right in front when you'd walk in. Um, oh yeah. Here's a. This is I. This is in German, but I've found something that says 2013 Meekum Auctions USA, a million dollars. 2013. So that was one to sell. So yeah, this one will probably be uh, a lot of money. Yeah, I couldn't get okay. the eight, couldn't get the 85. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, back in the day, for real, my dad was uh, on a bidding at a silent auction for the the A the 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 Goldfinger uh, Aston Martin, the, the actual car. DB5. Yeah, this was like in 1986 or 87 or something. Oh, and, I, and, he, and he was bidding on it, and he was he was it was a silent auction, so he didn't really stick around, but he did not lose it by much. He was close. Oh, bummer. yeah, that would have been the jam. That would have been the jam. So it would have had like the bulletproof thing and all that stuff. It had like things that came out of the wheels and a spinny license plate yeah, and some yeah, rocket yeah. launcher shit. Oh yeah, it was, yeah, it was a prop car. It had all kind of crazy shit going on. How cool. Um, uh, oh, last thing uh, before we get to your questions, and it looks like there are a good bit of them, so we got good. Get in the uh, super chat if you're with us and you want to talk about whatever, because um, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, sorted. It's been really fun. We had a really good time making it. Um, I just wanted to address the production issues, or at least the release uh, issues, because uh, the episodes were promised on Tuesdays and Fridays, and they're definitely coming out uh, a lot slower than that. Um, bottom line, there is just some post-production issues, um, whether it was f getting footage to, to sync up properly and 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 getting edits viewed back and forth and managing, you know, a lot of people in the first two episodes had complained about the consistency of audio levels. And so, um, you know, between uh, being mildly strained for resources, really trying to get it right, having some, some timing issues with Thanksgiving and people traveling and all kinds of bullshit. Rob, and please don't ask me specifically post-production questions because other than proof uh, QCing an episode before it goes live, I'm not really involved at all. Um, but also, don't bother Rob. He's doing, he's working hard. He really is. Don't be like, where is it? Like, it's going to be ready as soon as he can do it. Bottom line is, when you 
project a schedule, uh, you, you do something that you think is possible, and sometimes it is just not. And so he's doing the best he can. YouTube shows, fortunately, are, live longer than television shows. If it doesn't go up on Tuesday, you can still catch it on Wednesday. Um, as of today, the East Coast final has just aired, um, and uh, we're going to start with the West Coast very, very soon. Uh, I'm sorry that it's not they've not been able to hit those targets. It's when I do my shows, as you know, I'm pretty pretty good about hitting targets and getting content out. Um, I uh, I can only say that I've been talking to the, to the people who are editing it and dealing with behind the scenes and all that stuff, and they're working hard and they're trying hard. They're not being lazy and they're not being dumb. They're just they just want you guys to have a good show to watch, and if. They had to air the thing that they had ready on the day it was supposed to air. It would have not been good. And you just, you'd rather have this. It's a free show. It's a fun show. It's going to live on YouTube for the rest of time. So if you want to, it's better to take an extra day if you need to, or even if it's a couple days, or even if it's a week, or whatever the fuck it is. It's just better to have it be good and right because. Taking things down, changing them, and putting them back up later is, is not something you want to be doing on YouTube. So I'm sorry that the targets haven't been met in terms of delivering episodes and dates. There's zero things I could do about it. I tried to offer my assistance, and all I can do is QC episodes when Rob doesn't have time. But, like, they're working hard, and it's going to be what it's going to be. And if we get to do it again, maybe resources can be allocated in a different way so that there can be a larger team dealing with uh, post-production and it can go a little faster. That's a good angle. That's a good position. What do you mean? Just my position? No, it's a really good way to look at it. Well, yeah. we had this conversation right before the show started. You know, yeah. you don't worry about things that are outside of your control anymore. Production's fucking hard. And yeah. I knew this one was going to be tough. And that's kind of why I was like, we need to establish that I am talent and not production mm. on this one. And I'll show up and smile and drive <laughs> and talk, um, you know, and I'll, I'll be helpful where I can. But I, I really... Um, I really am not a, I'm not a producer on this. I, I want to be a host and focus on my hosting duties and not have to think about is that camera speeding? Is the sound good? Yeah. Like that's that just sucks. And so you know when you're um, using new crews that you haven't used before and you're in a hot desert or hot you know the rain you know there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of cars and not a lot of time to film all this shit. And so um, you know everyone's doing their best, but ultimately. Um, it's not like, you know, it's not like when I go shoot with like my good friends that I've been, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I know everything is ace, 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 ace. It's and just because the same four people have worked together for so long. You really click when you, when you do this sort of thing, when, when you have it down with people, you yeah. know, when you're working with the regular people, yeah. the same people over and over. Yeah. I'm really used easier. to like not having to tell anybody what to do because That's they it. just sort of know. Yeah. And when even... Even if you ever hire a very good shooter, you know, you've just met them. Like, they don't know what the fuck you want. People just work differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, it's it can be a very, it can be a challenge. And from what I'm hearing, people are really, really enjoying the show, though. Yeah, so that's a, good, is, that's a good thing. Yeah, the show's fun. The show's fun. If it got delivered a little late, you know, but it's a fun show. I'll take that, ultimately. It came out good. We had a good time making it. The cars were fun. You know, Tanner did great. Um, I think it's a really fun show. And it's not like 
a little bullshit show. The episode that just came out is like 47 minutes or something. Yeah. It's like a lot. It's like television. It's, it's a real not, show, yeah. Yeah, it's not like making YouTube videos. It's much more like making television. And just because it's on YouTube and not on television, you know, it doesn't mean those the same resources aren't really needed. Do you guys care or do you have a vision? Is it, will it always be YouTube? Or is it the type of thing where somebody could pick it up? Because well, it, it's the right it's, um, it felt like it could be on Motor Trend it's or something else. It's a good format else. for one of those, you know, uh, VOD kind of, Thank kind, you of for, kind of things. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah. I don't own any of it. I, I literally, I show up and <laughs> just, smile and drive and yap and that's, and then I go talent. home. Yeah, I, do, I don't own any of it. Rob Rob owns it. It was, this is this is his plan. And, and so, um, I mean, maybe I own like 5% or something, but but it's, it's, it's ultimately um, Rob's and Auto Tempest to, uh, to, to spread to wherever they can spread it. I've I've offered to uh, totally generously <clears throat> offered to put it on my YouTube channel, <laughs> you know, but, but like you know, uh, ultimately that was left up to Auto Tempest. So uh, the episodes are up there on Rob's channel. Or hang on, I'll do it right now. Give me a give me a screen there. We're gonna go to sortedornot.com, and excuse me as I burp whiskey. <laughs> All the episodes. Are, um, are right there, and that will take you to them. Right? Like you said, good content. Good free content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seriously. And I'm really glad um, with the shooters that we used in Florida, with the exception of the first episode, you really can't tell just how sweaty I was. In most <laughs> of it. In most of it. In, in the first episode, it's like, oh, God, he is, he is very sweaty. There was a lot to it. I'm sure it was hot as Dude, shit, but it was it also was, your first travel in like eight months or something, the, wasn't it? Yeah, sweating <laughs> had nothing to do with that. The, it, it was flo- it was literally, it was literally South Florida in August when we shot. You I mean it, it that is the worst? My mother lives there. That's the it, worst. It was alternating between death ray sun, that intense, painful. You can feel the radiation. The radiation of that, and then and then five minutes of downpour. You know, and back to it was the oh. Anyway. Um, let's go to the people. We've got we've got some ground to cover. Oh shit! Have I been fucking yapping for forty minutes? Well, fuck me. We've been talking. All right. Um, we're just gonna go uh, organically, in order. I think. Right. Sure. Wes says, uh, "Can you? Um, there is a way to pop that window out. And where the fuck is it? Uh, blah, blah 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 blah. View in new window. Hit that." Nope, that's not it. All right, fuck it, whatever. I'll read it off that. Uh, Okay, go back up to the top. Uh, Wes says, uh, have I driven anything? I'm going to paraphrase. Have I driven anything since the Venom GT that gave me that reaction? So the Venom GT video, uh, that was the first time I'd ever really driven something that was that level of power and that actually got it to the ground. That thing had real traction, which was very interesting. Um, anything since that gave me that reaction? I mean, probably the Calvo Motorsports Viper, um, which I drove for Sorted. Um, and, uh, you know, this thing was, you can pull up my screen if you want there. Um, this thing was uh, 2,000 horsepower. Um, and Jeez. it was really, really, uh, it was a nine liter uh, stroker engine with twin 76 millimeter turbochargers. And it was just deep, deep, deep banana batshit. 
And uh, so these guys are nuts. So I would say that, that that and then I also, if you watch on Sorted also, I drove the Supra that was that revved to 10,000 RPM and that was doing burnouts deep into the triple digits. Oh, um, my goodness. Real crazy stuff. So those two cars, I think, did... Uh, I did experience similar type uh, uh, reactions to um, to the Venom GT. Yeah. Uh, D Beck MSP says, whatever happened to Beeline Coffee? Unfortunately, they went out of business. Uh, their owners uh, actually refocused on restoring BMWs. What? Of all things. Yeah. From coffee to BMWs? From coffee to BMWs. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they I mean, always- I love it. Cars and they coffee. They were always um, uh, about that. I mean, they were about- BMWs like that dude had vintage BMWs and was like into the restoration of BMWs and and whatever, um, but he uh, he just uh, the coffee business is very hard. I don't know why I didn't I didn't get into why specifically the coffee business didn't work out, but unfortunately it didn't. So I'm, I'm what I'm trying to do right now is pull up this on my computer. That way I can do it without craning my neck over there. And I can read the comments that way. Is that oh. going to work? Yeah. I don't know. It might. I don't want to pause this because logged in. How do I view Super Chat window? Uh, I don't think that's really the way to do it. All right. Fuck it. Sorry, guys. Oh, that's it. Pop out chat. Where's do you have a pop out chat window? Because that's what I had. You see that someplace? Uh, it was on the dotted line. Go go back up. I'm sorry. Sorry, folks. We're doing whatever. <laughs> fuck it. Uh don't worry about it. Okay. I don't care that much. Okay. Maybe the dots on the top right next to live chat. Those dots. Pop out chat. Pop out chat. Yes. Point of parliamentary procedure. <laughs> Pop out chat. Is that not it? I don't know. Motherfucker. Oh, no. That doesn't have it. Go back. Go back. Sorry. Go back to the other window. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, is this the right one? Steve-O? That's where we're at? Steve-O is where we're at. Lotus Elise versus ND2 Miata. I mean, Elise. It's got to be Elise. Elise is more special. Miata is the answer is always Miata, right? That's it. You buy a Miata when it's like the you don't have money, pretty much. I don't think either one of those cars are special. I think they're both great cars, neither one of which special. Mm. And yet, I'd call the Miata more special, just because oh, of it, because of its his, because of its history. I disagree. Just being that okay. That's fine. <laughs> they're not asking me though. Well, but that's fine. You're allowed to. You're allowed to dissent. You don't need to like. Agree with me all the time. What does ND2 Miata mean? Gener second generation. Oh, okay. Oh, ND2. No, ND2 is the current generation. That's the ND with the updated engine. Then I got to go back to Elise oh. with you. Yeah, I would still probably say Elise, unless you want to daily it, then the new Miata. Uh, but Elise SC is really where it's at. Mm. The supercharged Elise, that's where it's at. You get the power, but it's not like death spine like the Exige. Uh, Tune Squad. Oh, spheres have the highest volume to surface area ratio of any shape, so they melt slower. For the cubes for the and whiskey, the, the whiskey. For the whiskey cubes. Right, yes, okay. Thank you, Toon Squad. Appreciate that. Peter Menke says, smoking fryer question, what is my favorite homemade soup besides Carl Ruiz's matzo ball soup? Carl Ruiz's matzo ball soup is the best soup in the history of soup. And one day I will post the process of making it. It's a fucking bitch. But you've gotten it down now. It took me, yeah, it took me seven times to make it. 
to get it right. And then once I got it right, I actually wrote it down, and now I can get it right every time. I've made it three or four times since, and I don't fuck it up now. Is there something specific that you could say that makes it special? Like, There's four or five different things that make it special. But even but when you're just having, when you're enjoying it, like, is there something in it? Oh, about the flavor? Yeah, just enjoy. Is there anything the, that he, makes he it? He just he nails he nails the exact like you know Second Avenue Deli matzo ball. Yeah, but even better like with more intense of that flavor and also an even fluffier matzo ball it's next level it's really wow. next level besides that my favorite homemade soup is i make a lot of chilies i make a lot of turkey chili um and that's it's super super easy i really recommend if you want to start with cooking soups and stuff um turkey chili is really easy carrot ginger super easy potato leek super easy um, but you can even start like the basic, like when I went to Tuscany, they taught us how to make stock and I was shocked. They got a big pot. They put in a whole chicken. They didn't take it apart. Mm -hmm. Just chicken in water, onion, uncooked peel, chicken, un uncooked yep. raw chicken yep. in water, onion. You peel off the outer skin, but whole onion in water, three carrots in water, not cut couple ribs of celery in water, not cut. You don't cut any of this shit yep. in the hole, in the water, and then just turn the water on. Let it fall apart. And then you basically just walk away for like three hours. And you strain it. You skim the fat off the top. And when you strain it, you will have this beautifully clear, uh, rich, flavorful, but clear broth. Amazing. Wow. Pour it through a cheesecloth. The shit. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, just start with the stock. You got to start, start with the stock. If you make chickens at home. Save all the bones and the carcasses, and then you want to rub the bones. You freeze them, right? And then when it comes time to make a stock, you take them out of the freezer and you put them on a tray, frozen. You rub them in tomato paste and garlic, right? Then you roast them shits in the oven from frozen for like 45 minutes. And it, it bakes the tomato paste and garlic onto them. Then you put them in for the stock. That's how you make a red stock, like a minestrone stock. No kidding. Yeah. And if you want a richer, like a red stock, that's what you do with your... And you just keep saving carcasses until you got enough to make stock. I knew the carcass part, but I didn't realize yeah. that, that, that that's how the spicier element came out. Yeah, you with roast the tomato you tomatoes, and and tomatoes and chilies. You can roast them on there and it's then wild. put it in the water, and then that flavor comes into the water. That's so cool. It's the shit. Lucas says, uh, who got the cooler throwback European car recently? me or Doug? Well, that's a good question. Doug's car is much more throwback than mine. I bought a 328 GTS, if you haven't heard me yapping about Pretty that. Car. It's very nice. It's downstairs. And Doug bought an Audi RS2 Avant, which is very Doug. Doug likes weird, rare <laughs> wagons and imported Euro shit that's like totally in line with Doug. Um, I love that car. Cooler? I mean, his is probably cooler in, like, if you went to a Cars and Coffee, his shit is cooler than mine. But just driving around the street, he's in an Audi and I'm in a Ferrari. What about, like, the Top Gear cool board? Put those oh, two the cars. Cool wall? Oh, an, the cool RS, wall, yeah. an RS2 Avant is on the cool wall. Yeah, and a 328 sure. is probably not. Isn't that weird? Yeah. But ask uh, me if I give a fuck if Richard Hammond likes my, <laughs> <laughs> likes my choice. <laughs> I love the, uh, uh, on that car, on his car specific, I love those Porsche Cup wheels, though. It just oh, looks yeah. so good. Well, what's with cool about color. the RS2 is that it's, it's, the, it's Audi's E500. It's where you have Porsche helping to develop oh, yes. the car like Mercedes did with the E500. Right. Or 500E, as it were. 
Um, I don't know who's is cooler. They're both fucking cool, though. Yours is awfully nice in person, man. Yeah, I'm sure Doug's is cool. He's, Doug has Doug has good taste. He doesn't actually spend money on garbage. He if he. He, he, it's probably a very good car that he bought. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know a lot about it besides the two pictures I saw on Instagram, Same. but um, it looks very nice. Uh, Adam Williams says, do I ever plan on coming to Traverse City to see Haggerty and drive? Um, plan on, I if there's an occasion that, that uh, a reason to go, uh, I'm a Haggerty customer. I'm a fan of them. I may one day write some articles or something for Haggerty, and the occasion may come. I have not. Um, I haven't sat the wife down and been like, "Listen, for our next vacation, I'm really thinking Traverse City." I just don't. That's not, um, you know, and 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 unfortunately, there are no cars. The unfortunate part of making videos, it, it's nice that you get to travel to do what I get to do. The unfortunate part of that, to go back to kind of what I said earlier about this and COVID, is that the audience doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> the audience doesn't care where you made the video. They care about the car. The fact that you had to fly 15 hours or whatever, go to Traverse City or Portugal or wherever the fuck to make the video, it doesn't matter. In fact, it's probably worse because you don't like... In LA, like here, I have my my strategy for filming videos, and you guys have experienced this pretty firsthand through watching them, I hope, at least a couple of times. Like, I can do what I do safely, without stress. I can drive real fast on some roads that I know real well while talking about things like trunk space and shit like that because I because I know what I'm doing on, as pertains this very specific activity in this very specific place. If you put me in a different place to make videos, now I really have to think about the conditions and what's happening around me and where I am and where I'm driving and a bunch of things besides what's happening with the car. And so I like traveling and Traverse City, I hear very nice things about. I hear it's a great place to, to go. And if work takes me there, I'll be super, super happy. And maybe I'll stay some extra days. That's the answer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's places where it's like, oh, if I got to go there, maybe I'll hang out a little extra and see what it's about. But <clears throat> I'm not I'm not trying to do the, the UP uh, just for straight <laughs> vacation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Miles says, have I ever thought about having Zach Kortz and Ari Henning on the show? I don't know who they are. Do you know who they are? No. I mean, I'll look Google them, them. I guess. Zach. Quartz. I'll look up uh, Ari, Ari Henning. Henning. <laughs> Zach Quartz is um, a... Oh, Revzilla? <clears throat> That's a motorcycle dude. He's a motorcycle person. He writes a... Writes, he does motorcycle things. Uh, uh, Ari Henning, same thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'll have to take a look. I, if we if the motorcycle stuff the motorcycle stuff some people and by that I mean a very small number of people are always very excited for us to have motorcycle stuff I like doing motorcycle stuff I really do enjoy it the numbers on it aren't good <laughs> they're just not and even like like I had like I had Roland Sands on the show last week like Roland Sands in the motorcycle community is an A-lister mm. right um, uh, he's not an A-lister in Hollywood, but in motorcycle world, he's an A-lister. If you ride motorcycles, you've heard of that guy. Sure. Numbers are only okay. The numbers mm -hmm. are not that strong. 
you know what I mean? So meanwhile, um, oh, Thanksgiving. Eh. I know. I'm just <laughs> saying. To me, I'm like, ah, you never know. The problem here's here's a here's a, an unfortunate reality of podcasting that um, some of the audience members might not like to hear. It's but I'm going to be honest. It's true. You can have guests on that you really like and that are great for radio and that are fun and engaging and have interesting stories, but if they are not of a certain profile and they're not either able to share your podcast with their much bigger audience or even their smaller but very dedicated audience or they're not enough of a, a draw by just their name and their job title that more of our own people will listen, that's actually worse yeah. than having no guest at all. Yeah. Um, in fact- It'll keep someone from clicking on it. Uh, yes, versus if it's a show of just me, or me and Zach, it's yeah. a very known quantity, and they are they will click on it. So, I it's very unfortunate. But one of the things we have to do in order to succeed as a podcast is stop having on a lot of the people that we like to have on just because we enjoy their company and talking about cars with them because it's actually worse for our business. That's been stressing me out recently. That I've been like, I need to have. I need to actually start asking like my famous friends mm -hmm. to come on the show, which is not something I was comfortable doing before, uh, but I have to start doing it now. Does that is that the part that stresses you out? Mm. And also, like, if I can't have all these other people on the show because they're actually bad for me, like, what is the show? Why am I doing show? this? Right? What's yeah. the show? You know? So, <laughs> I, like, um, and and so. Uh, we're trying to figure out what the what the medium is. I don't think you're alone on this. Just so you know, I mean, you have a, obviously a much larger audience, but we, you know, we do a similar mm -hmm. thing. This is something I think everybody struggles with, and maybe even more so right now with what we're all kind of dealing with in the world. Well, there's a lot of content. You know, it's, there's a lot of content out there. I've done a lot. I, I, in back in March and April, I did a lot of people's new podcasts, mm -hmm. and I've been a bit harder about it recently. Where people are still creating new podcasts and asking me to be their first guest or in their first, you know, few, and I tell I respond to them in a way that it might come off as being mean, but I I mean it in I mean it in a way that I hope people take the right way, where I say I'll be your fiftieth guest. I love this. This is genius. That's what I say. It's genius. I say, I if will... you're still doing this yeah. in 49 more episodes, yeah. I am your guy. Exactly. Yep. I, I think I, I might have done a couple. I might have said 100 and a couple people I told 50. But 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 that's basically like I said, I'll do your show. I'm happy to do it. I'll give you the time. But I won't be episode one or two or five. I'll be episode 50. Then at least you know they're committed to the craft a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a commitment from you. If they want to get you yeah. on the show, they just got to do 49 practices. And <laughs> yeah. by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Earn some qualifications. Yeah. yeah. I did a fucking 14-year-old's podcast last week. Yeah? He was very nice. His name was Nico. Oh, I'll plug him. I'll fucking plug him. What's his name? His name is Nico Lombard, and his podcast is called... This is bad. I think it's great. You're doing a plug and everyone's on the edge Nico of their seats. Nico Lombard, his podcast is called, oh boy, it's called like Everything Cars or something like that. 100% Cars. It's called 100% Cars. Love it. 
For I'll tell you what, for fucking thirteen or fourteen, however old this kid is, he was he was pretty on point. Did you go to him or did he? No, nah, it, it was Zoom. It was oh, okay, Zoom. but he was pretty. It was pretty on point for a fourteen-year-old's podcast, actually. So shout out to Nico, you're doing good, kid. Um, okay, what do we got here? Juan Crina, not John Cena. <laughs> looks like it. Uh, I, well, I've said the McLaren 720 is too fast for anyone to just buy. What would be a five? Oh, this is a great question. What would be a five-car ladder to get to a 720 while getting progressively faster? This is good. I like where you're at. So we start with our Miata. That's quite. That's number one. From a Miata, you go to something like a Mustang or Camaro SS, a V8 uh, muscle car, front engine, rear drive, a little faster, maybe a Corvette. From there. You put the engine in a different place. <laughs> From there, you either go to a 911 or um, maybe a Lotus Evora uh, or a Lee, something mid-engine or rear-engine, and you learn how to drive that. That would be number three. Then you add power. Now you've got the engine in a different place, and you go to like a 911 Turbo or something something that's, that's really um, got a bunch more power but also not a typical front engine rear drive car. And then you get to your kind of supercar. Then after that, it's it's GT3 or 458 or um, uh, maybe a Cayman GT4, but probably not. Um, and, and, and get really fast in a regular high-end sports car. And then I think you are equipped to drive a 720 responsibly. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of school. It, it is. It's a bunch. It is a bunch. I mean, that, but but you have to understand how fast this car is. This I car, know how well you can drive, this, and I saw that car get squirrely the other okay. day. I'm only okay. I'm only okay. And that car is very, very, very gnarly. Yeah, yeah. But I think that'd be a good ladder. Slow front engine rear drive, faster front engine rear drive, mid-engine or rear engine rear drive, big power, maybe all-wheel drive. And then, and then uh, to uh, a, a supercar that's not quite 720 fast, like a 458 or a Huracan or something like that, and then 720. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good question, Juan. I like that. Niffin says, uh, when picking an F40 to stick swap, what is the sweet spot for mileage spec? Um, and did any of them go wrong at Gotham? Okay, so you're asking a couple questions in one. <laughs> one, one. First off, if you're talking about doing a manual swap in a 430, do not send the car to that place EAG in Texas that I drove there, Scuderia. They did build a Scuderia. It did kind of work. They did build a couple of cars that I hear worked. I've also heard some really, really, really bad stories. Really bad stories. Do not send them a car and do not send them money. We don't need to get into further than that, but I've heard really bad stories. And I, even though I drove a car they built that worked, you will notice that the video of it is no longer on my YouTube channel because I don't want people seeing it and sending them money or sending them their Ferraris. So, so let's just start off, if we're talking about stick swapping a Ferrari 430, don't do it there, okay? Um, secondly, one of the reasons I know you shouldn't do it there is because there are no more Ferrari parts left. 
they used them all, and so they started making their own. And and I don't know how many parts there are for 360s or 355s if you wanted to do that, but but I would not recommend the what seems like the easiest course of action in 2020 for stick swapping a 430. Um, having said that, f- the, the sweet spot is the cheapest one you can find, and the reason is Ferrari owners, even if you are improving the car by stick swapping it, and I think you you would be, assuming it was done properly, assuming you took a, a, a F1 car and using 100% Ferrari parts made it a stick car, you the Ferrari community does not like modifying cars, modified cars. They will not give you a dime in extra value right. for that car, and in fact, it might be worth less. And we found this out when EAG tried to sell that Scuderia and got fucking peanuts for it. Okay. And did any of them go wrong at Gotham? Now now you're asking about the reliability of the 430 in general. Uh, yes, some of them did go wrong. If they're driven wrong, if they're driven badly, they eat clutches. Clutches are expensive. They Almost all of them cracked headers. And so the stock Ferrari headers were not good, and we replaced all the Gotham cars with Cook's headers. And I think that's what a lot of people do today still. So you may want to check the status of the headers of any 430 you, you buy. Um, and the, the tops, the spider tops had mechanical issues. Uh, the taillights would fall out once in a while, which is a very funny thing to happen to a Ferrari. We used to laugh very hard when that would happen. And um, But other than that, by Ferrari standards, they are actually pretty stout if they're taken care of by owners who give a shit in general. But... That was a lot of information in there, but um, that's uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Ginger says, uh, "Do I want to expand uh, West Side Collector Car Storage somewhere on the East Coast?" Although he he or she uses the word monopoly, which is something I most certainly don't have anything near. <laughs> uh, West Side Collector Car Storage, my friend. West Side. Um, it, while it is tempting to to conquer America with parking and have facilities in in the East Coast and the West Coast. I think as a, as a small-time entrepreneur as myself, there would be nothing dumber than giving myself a flight mm. in between shops. Like, a, and a transcontinental flight to boot. That would be terrible. <laughs> Imagine like, oh, how's the other shop doing? I don't know. Let me book a fucking plane ticket. Sounds terrible. Mm. Everything about that sounds terrible. We're just talking about you with all of your car videos and everything, a having to travel. Nightmare. I can't yeah, imagine no. having to have two home bases. I mean, I can understand why someone would ask the question. I really can. But the, if you if you really just think about it for a second, that sounds like a goddamn nightmare. And I've got one little shop here. I could put another one 15 or 20 miles from here and not cannibalize this one. I don't need to go. There we go. Yeah, I don't need to go far. No, no. So, but that, that's sort of an answer, too. That's sort of a, yes, I would do branching out, but not maybe East Mm-mm. Coast. Not East Coast. We're going we're gonna to cover Southern California before we go anywhere else. Uh, Toon Squad says, tell us about my new house. I don't want to blow it up just yet. I don't want to blow it up just yet. It's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, it's awesome. Don't worry about it. The, it's it's um, the most important thing about my new house is that it's it's a ranch. It's that it has no stairs. Oh, one floor. It has no stairs. My house now is a three-story house. Oh, you're in Venice in the stacks. And, and oh, my geez. knees are fucked. 
and I must run up and down stairs 50 times a day. And I am so over fucking stairs. Yeah, you did the same thing here. (laughs) (laughs) What uh, is it going to be? Is it in the same geographical region that yours is now? It's no. Oh, it's not in Venice. We're leaving Venice. It's not in Venice, but it's not far. It's 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 closer to the shop. Cool. Um, But it's I I might I might make a video. I'll let me see. I'll see how Rob's videos of his construction of his house are doing. The videos (laughs) of the construction of West Side went really well, but. the new crib is going to be sick because uh, my wife and I aren't going to have kids, so we're going to have parties. Oh, That's going to be how we house. Do. It's a party house. It is definitely a, a partying house. So, picture, um, picture uh, like Burt Reynolds' house in Boogie Nights, oh, but, yeah. but brought into twenty twenty. That's pretty much what we're working. Is it with. a mid-century it like is, that? Yeah, it's mid-century. Oh, kick! Not only you is it mid-century, we're... it's mid-century in an entire neighborhood of mid-century. It's like driving into Palm Springs. It's incredible. I wonder, I might know where you are. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so excited. It's going to be the coolest. And Sarah and Webb, the renderings look fucking amazing. Well, they're the right people. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you the renderings after the show. It's awesome. Oh, let's see. SC1 says, um, oh, uh, we have... Uh, my family's had a house in South Carolina for many, many years, to answer your question. I've been going down there since I was five years old, and uh, I'm actually going there this weekend. Yay. Nice. Uh, Eli says, uh, how extensive was the detail that Derek did on the 328? Um, so Derek is our paint corrector at Westside, and what he does, you know, he does like a multi-step um, polish and uh, like a compounding and... Is there a paint protection film or um, coatings? No. Oh, excuse me. Yes, we used Ammo Reflex. And Ammo Reflex is, I'm gonna fuck this up. It's not a ceramic coating, but it is a coating. Teflon? And no. no. It lasts like 18 to 24 months instead of like 10 years or mm-hmm. whatever. And the process of putting it on is not as rigorous. Um, so we did use that. Um, I'm sorry I don't have a good answer for the detail. I know that Derek spent 16 hours on it. He did oh a lot God. of polishing. He did a lot of, he has, you know, a bunch of different size wheels. And so he's got, he polishes every, you know, every little thing. It's incredible. Wow. I'm sorry I'm not, I'm so bad at this. That's why I was never a good detailer. I just don't, I can, <laughs> I just, all, you know what I do to sell it, Jay? All I do is I go, come look at this. And I show some, I go, this is, look at my car. And they go, well, fuck me. How old is that car? I go, it's 35 years old. And they yeah. go, how much did you say that was again? And yeah. I tell them, they go, how's, how's next Thursday? Yeah. You know, it's the kind of thing you do once. I'm sorry I'm not as good at describing it. The um, Countach was your, that was a, that's a, that's a calling card. The Kun, yeah, the Kun, that's I mean, a, he does, like, he did the Countach, card. he did the Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 and the shit he's done on customer cars here is amazing too. Um, let's see. Casey says, I always talk about repetitive questions in the super chat, and it would be great if I had a platform where more nuanced, long-form questions could be asked. I don't need another platform. This is the platform. The platform's good. You can ask a long-form, nuanced question, like the dude just asked about his five-car ladder to a 720. I mean, I don't know. If you want me to, you want, like, some, some like, 
some one-on-one time? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, we can do, you got to call my agent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> do that for charity. I don't know. You can, I think you can get pretty nuanced in this. Casey, if you've got a nuanced question. Are they maybe looking it. for like a, <laughs> they want your OnlyFans? <laughs> well, no, you know, that they those cameo people. Hit that's me up what, the cameo time. thing, yeah. Bro, if you really have a question, like you can, there's all kinds of ways to hit me up. And if you want to give me money and ask me questions, this is a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. I don't, my dignity, you know, I got food on my table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's people fair. that don't. There's people that need that that income, and I'm not going to knock their hustle at all. Oh, good for you. Not at all. I won't make fun of like anybody except that Tiger King lady for being on fucking cameo, uh, and that dude. Uh, <laughs> Who was it that just endorsed the gay porn stars only Oh, fans? it was a bit. Uh, the politician, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not Roger Stone, but it was like one of those shitbags. Wasn't it one of those Trumpy shitbags? The funny thing is, I didn't hear about it. I heard someone yeah, talking one of the, about one of those it, of Trumpy course. Trumpy shitbags just endorsed a fucking gay porn yeah. <laughs> only fans, which I think is hilarious. And I absolutely encourage that type of behavior <laughs> from everybody. By all means, get Republican politicians to endorse your only fans. But I didn't. I didn't feel that cameo was a thing that was worth my dignity. Yeah, I understand that. Which is fine. I do, I do other things where I feel really dumb doing them. Like the ads I do before videos, I feel really dumb doing those. But they are worth my dignity. <laughs> I don't think I could charge that much on cameo with a straight face. Hey, Clinton. <laughs> I just bugged my man out real quick. Sorry, you can hide if you don't want to be seen on camera. What's up, Clinton? Hey, Clinton. May I have the bottle of Japanese whiskey from the bot the bottom locker? Of course you. The can. really stubby <laughs> bottle. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. He's so polite on camera. He's so. Yeah, everyone should know. He, everyone should know he's that polite all the time. Clinton is all the, the time. Is the most professional employee I've <laughs> not only ever had, but I've never even heard of. <laughs> I've never I've never heard of an employee being more professional than Clinton. This dude rules. Such a nice guy. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay, Charlie Jin wants to know his, uh, my opinion on these cars for his next car. Uh, let's see. A base 992 Carrera versus a... That is exactly right, my friend. Thank you very much. Versus uh, a Cayman GTS 4.0 versus a C8 Corvette, all in dual clutch. Okay. All right, here we go. The, <laughs> 911, the 911, even in base form, is... A superior product in general to the other two products it just is there's more to it um, and 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 that's just the way it is having said that uh, a four-liter Cayman GTS would be a fabulous driving car I haven't tried one yet I already asked Porsche they're gonna be in the fleets in two months I if I could picture what I think it'll be also a fabulous driving car. Most of the way to a 911 quality-wise. The very good balance that you get from mid-engine car. And probably real fast. C8 Corvette will be the best riding on really bad pavement. Um, I, it, it is. A Corvette, I mean, the new Corvette performs amazingly. But here's the thing. In two years, it's just going to be a regular Corvette. I don't advise buying base Corvettes because... The special one is kind of always around the corner. Yeah, that was going to be the answer. Not a special car. Yeah, I think that I think a 992 Carrera 
is not special by Porsche standards, but by all other car standards, will feel special. You still have the physics you're, of a 911. You're in a 911, yeah. and the 911 rules apply. Yeah. And also, the new one's fast as balls. Agreed. Fast as balls, and with turbos, a little more is on the table. You can tune a bit. You can have you add, add a bit right. of power, have a bit of fun. You can get it in a manual, although you said you don't want to. Um, GTS 4 liter, that car's going to have a limit in terms of once you figure out how to get ten and a half tenths out of that thing all the time, which you can get to pretty quickly in one of those, you're going to want something else. Yep. Having said that, that's a pretty special car. That's it's going to be a special car. That's the one that will hold its value. You'll, right? Yeah, it's going to hold its value well, and it's going to be a car that you can keep for a long time, and it won't feel super dated. Mm. Um, C8s are great. They really are. Um, drive it hard, put it away wet, give it back. That's kind of you what lease I would, it. <laughs> lease your C8. Yeah, I, I I am personally very excited uh, for the, the this flat plane engine C8, the crazy one that's going to come out. That maybe that'll be the thing that gets me back into Corvettes for a little bit. We'll see. But that'll be the special one, right? But that'll be the special one. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so there you go, Ben. Ooh, Ben with the big tipper, big tipper coming it's, in. There's a big one coming. Big Ben, love it. Please do a podcast with my dad, he says. I think that's, uh, I think I will. I think the the car ride will be, a, I've never spent much time talking to my dad about his career on a standing back uh, macro inside the actor's studio perspective. We thought it would happen when he was here for your opening, yeah, but did... you, you were so busy. You were so mm. busy. I think we were just slammed then. That's yeah. true. But, um... Yeah, in the car with 12 hours of driving is a good time to do it. I think, I mean, I was just reading because he just won this, um, well, he didn't won. They settled the lawsuit with Tiffany and LVMH, but they settled it in a way that he won, basically. And um, why did I, oh, yeah, they were talking about, you know, in a bunch of the articles that I that my mother was sending out, you know, about him. One of them mentioned, and I, had, I didn't even really remember this, because he was the CEO of Saks Fifth Avenue at 33. Like, that's not like now where you're the CEO of, like, some startup that you started out of college at 33. This is like... A enormous international department store conglomerate that employed like 15,000 people yeah. and was probably at its peak in the 80s and 90s when he was there. And he's the CEO at 33? That's unbelievable. What the fuck? I'm That's truly, truly <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, like, and so... Because uh, your point is that like, you didn't just start it in your garage. There was a whole corporate ladder to climb to get there. A board of directors determined that you should be in that position. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he started... Uh, as a shoe buyer there at like 28 and when and my mother was his boss so they what? met got married got pregnant with me she left gave him her job and that was 1980 and then four years after that he was the ceo of the company that's unbelievable Isn't that crazy town fantastic story. yeah and so I, that's just my dad's a fucking he's like on some other level when it comes to business and so I think uh, yeah we'll I'll, we'll do that show as long as he feels comfortable doing it. I know he doesn't, um, you know he's not that public. So I think as if he feels comfortable doing it, that may end up being the best place to do it. Then you guys just on a car yeah. ride instead of like sitting at the mic. Yeah, yeah, it's easier. The sound of a the 2017 Cayenne Turbo. <laughs> 
My dad has the weirdest Cayenne Turbo. Have I ever told you about his Cayenne Turbo? No. My dad doesn't like to order cars. He wants to go, uh, that one. And just buy oh, something just off the and lot, like drive it home. Yeah, impulsive. Um, but and his his best friend, like his literally his best friend from when they were five years old, owns a Porsche store. Um, and actually, it's it's Is Porsche. It Pepe? Huh? Is it Pepe? No, it's Town Motors in Englewood, oh, okay. New Jersey, and uh, and they have Porsche, Audi, and Subaru. And my dad's buddy Bob, his father started the dealership, and now his son runs it. And he's retired. So anyway, cool. we've been buying cars from them. My my family has been buying cars from them for fifty years. The whole the whole time. Sure. Every like, almost every car my parents have ever bought has been from them. And so because they they've had many brands, so it was actually not a not a big deal. Do they have your dad's number in the same way that you do? Where like they know he's not going to order a car. We just have to have something kind of interesting. They for don't. Him. Even, no, they don't because he buys their crap. <laughs> That's what I'm getting to. Ah. What I'm getting to is they don't even have to have his shit ready because he just goes down there one day and he'll buy like he buys like the reject car. Right. So his current car was sitting on the lot and it's a it's a Cayenne Turbo, but it's got the um the Porsche design aero kit on it. Dear Lord. And the Porsche design 21 inch wheels, yeah. which are heinous. I know everything about it. And it's black. Over chocolate brown interior with the extended Burlwood package. Ooh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's every a lot. checked every box. <laughs> it's a lot. Spare no expense. The sticker on this thing is like one hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars. It's yeah. extraordinary. And so I go, I go, Dad. You know, and I, I there's always been this kind of issue where my my parent, I, they'll just come home with a car, and I'll kind of go, Ew. I won't be like, Congratulations. Yeah. I'll be like, What the fuck did you buy? <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. And this has happened a few times. <laughs> and at the end of the story, I'll give you one where they were right and I was wrong. But um, he comes home. He's like, you like it? I'm like, what is this options package you got? How did you? He's like, yeah, I was just there and I got it. He goes, he, goes, he gave me like 35K off. And I go, okay. And then I looked at the window sticker. The 35K was just all the garbage. It was the addendum. Just the all addendum the sticker. fucking, yeah. Just all the extra garbage that somebody had ordered this car and then bailed on it. When oh, it factory sh- options. Oh yeah, all, yeah, yeah. No, this wasn't dealer installed. No, this no. Was someone ordered this and then bailed on it when it showed up. Um, and I don't know because I don't know how it works if it's a national rule or state by state. But in Jersey, if you you can't take someone's money for a deposit, like you can't make someone buy a car. I think it's state by state. Yeah, but yeah. In Jersey, you can't. So you take a you take a deposit of fifteen hundred dollars or whatever. You order this custom car, yeah. then they bail. You keep their deposit, but you're stuck with the ugly car. Interesting. Yeah, that happened to us a couple times when I was working at that dealership. Oh, we but got you stuck do keep the deposit. Car. I believe yeah, so. Okay. I believe so. Or maybe not in California you can't even keep the deposit. Right. Yeah. In Jersey I think you can. But anyway, so my dad so my dad has a heinous looking guy at Turbo. <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. He even likes the color. He doesn't care. He's the the right wheels are curbed to fucking <clears> shit. <throat> um he doesn't give a shit. It you know, it's a cayenne. It, it drives like a cayenne. It's fine. Um, and he's really tall. It's a great, a Cayenne is a great tall people car. Yeah. He really likes it. But he just, because he just wants whatever's not on the, not on the dealer in general, that dealer. Yeah. <laughs> whatever's on that dealer's lot. Yeah. So he ends up with weird ass <laughs> cars. What okay. was, what was the, before we go on, what was the one where they were, where he, he was right and you were wrong? Oh, my parents went hard 
into the first gen Lexus RX 300s. Oh. At one point, my dad had one and my mom had one. And, and my mom was the queen of RX 300s. And at one point, my that mother That was the first owned, SUV they made, yeah. right? Yeah. At one point, my mom owned five RXs at the same time. What on yeah. earth? That's a fleet. Wouldn't. Did they have a cab company? <laughs> what the? She would get a new one every two years. But they were perfectly good vehicles, and they worked. So as she would go through the first couple, the first two <laughs> ended up at their vacation home in South Carolina. That makes sense. Right. Well, then the third, the, now there's another one. It went to their housekeeper. And so the housekeeper drove it, but they still, you know, whatever. Sure. Then my sister drove one. Uh, the next one down the line, my sister drove for a while. And then after my sister was done with it, they... Uh, don't even. I think they moved that one to South Carolina and sold the old, gave the oldest one to my littlest cousin who had just graduated college. Either way, they kept them At all point, running they, and in the family. Yeah, yeah. Running. How hard is it to keep an RX three hundred running? It's the easiest thing. <laughs> you know in the what world. I mean? Like it, you know, in the stable. At one point, we had registered five Lexus RXs oh, in our name. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. My mom was like lording over the RX. That's a fleet. And so when she bought the first RX, I was like, "That's not an SUV." Why didn't you get a Tahoe? You know what I mean, or some big like truck? Uh, that's not real four wheel drive. It that's wasn't. not real. That's that's a Camry on big tires. That's exactly what it felt like. And now, and now, um, when I go to um, to South Carolina, because we don't have the very oldest one, we don't have the '97 anymore, but we have the '01, and the '01 is the post facelift first gen. Is that so, when they started making the hybrid? Is it that generation? No, no, before that. Still the one before, before that. that. Okay, the first still gen, but Altezza tail lights. Yeah. Right? And and HID lights and upgraded wood grain and leather. That still was the, roundy before roundy. it got, before it got no, angular. Roundy. That car now, when I still drive it, it's got like 70,000 miles. It's, like, it's brand new. <laughs> when I go drive it, it's, it's great to look at. The design of it compared to today's Lexuses, I mean, it's conservative and it's tasteful mm -hmm. and it, it just, it really says something about its purpose. Mm -hmm. The quality of the leather and the wood is unavailable on any car they make today. Yep. It's real, real leather, you know, proper. Um, and it's just, it's so, it's not trying to be a sports car at all. Yeah. And so when I drive it down our dirt road in South Carolina, it feels like, you know, it's got balloony tires. And it's just it it's just made so well. Yeah, it was so well made, and so that's where that's where I was wrong and they were right. The RXs were the future and they were the way to go. And in hindsight, now thirty-seven year old me drives. <laughs> I'm like, this thing actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Not only that, they, they, <laughs> you said I don't like it. They're like, we're gonna buy five more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forever, no, forever. After the second RX, I was like, I'm not giving you car advice anymore. <laughs> uh, John says, hello from Pikes Peak. Uh, do I think the move to electric cars removes cars' individual individuality? Um, yes, I do. I mean, not, but not just the move to electric cars. Um, CAD. Uh, designing cars by computer for efficiency. Uh, you'll notice that many of the, the, the mid-sized sedans on sale today, if you remove their headlights and taillights and their front and rear bumpers, you know, from A to C pillar, they look exactly the same. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a Hyundai or a BMW or a Toyota or there it's the same and it's the same for a reason because that is the most aerodynamic shape it's also why you'll see like for instance the um 
the Hennessy, the Venom F5, right? That new Hennessy thing, right? It looks, and I'll get a picture for you. Um, the, the Venom F5 looks derivative, uh, kind of like a bunch of other supercars. And the reason for that is very simple. It was literally designed in a computer by a, a, no human designed this car. It was not styled by anybody. SSC, for whatever ups and downs, they had a, a stylist with experience at Pininfarina draw that motherfucker. This, they put in parameters into a computer and like it AI spit, did it. And it spit this out. It was literally a like a bot designed a car. Now, it happens to be a relatively attractive design. It's not ugly. No. And you go, well, the front kind of looks like the new the 4 GT and the side kind of looks like the the McLaren. I see everything the, from Vet to Noble. A, yeah, a bunch of stuff, a bunch and because those are considered optimized elements, you know? And when you and so to answer to go back to the to the dude's question, Yes, the vibration and character and power delivery of an engine is part of the character of a car. And as cars uh, become EV and we get more EV cars, um, some of that character will be uh, withdrawn. Having said that, EVs might be able to mimic other cars' characters. Uh, I think someone who designs an EV sports car should find a way for it to mimic the sensations of other cars maybe that could be a you know i mean look elon musk sells a car that farts <laughs> and people like worship this guy like he's some kind of fucking genius you know what i mean like this fucking scam artist and he's selling a car that farts like like the roof flies off like they're recalling them because the they can't figure out how to keep a roof attached. Did that happen more than once a lot oh people, wow yeah there's a recall for it and I people are like yo but it farts <laughs> It dances. The gullwing doors do this. Like the Wally so, people love it. So they're going to try and find ways to inject character into cars to make up for the loss of character from characterful powertrains. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. Nick Rupert, uh, watch question. After I get my Explorer One Mark II, I want a sports car. That was a random segue, but I'm sorry for reading that. I have it down to an older BRZ uh, Mark II ND Miata or waiting for the new BRZ. Older BRZ is a known quantity. The ND2 Miata is better for driving than an old BRZ, but less practical. It has a smaller trunk, less space. It's louder inside, shit like that. Neither I nor anyone else has driven the new BRZ, so I got nothing. Waiting for the new BRZ, I don't know. Wait. But the ND, the second-gen Miata engine, is very, very good. And I do recommend it if the rest of the Miata fits your lifestyle. Where are we at here? Paps511 says, I am from New Jersey, and I'm a SCCA NASA instructor. Should I spend five days at Sebring with my Cayman S or a five-day Team O'Neill rally school? Roughly the same price. Team O'Neill. I think you'd learn more. I mean, even though you're an instructor, you obviously have some skill. I think I think you learn things at a rally school that you didn't know you needed to learn. Like, you learn so much about weight transfer, and you get really good at left foot braking, mm. which is not something even instructors are always great at. Um, it's their cars. It's loose surface. You're sliding. You learn a lot more about driving on loose surface than you would. And, like... Sebring is a 
great historical circuit. And I could see doing a track day at Sebring, but I don't know why you would want to spend five days lapping Sebring. It's an airfield. It's a flat, like kind of. It's like it's not barely that. flat. It's the bumpiest surface known to man. It's not yeah, flat. Yeah, it's flat but not smooth. Yeah, yeah. like I would go. I would definitely go with Team O'Neill. Their cars, you loose it. surface, car control, left foot braking, time of your life kind of thing. You probably should say. do both at some point in your life, but I think you're going to get more out of that rally. Do both, right but now. I wouldn't spend five days at Sebring. I can't imagine spending, like. I can't imagine spending, unless it was like the Nürburgring. You know what I mean? The Nürburgring, I or get Le Mans, it. Vacation maybe. at the Nürburgring, spend a few days, I get that. That's like a journey, you know, there's, and there's shit spend to do. Spend one day at the factory no, and drive to, to yeah, 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 that makes sense. But I can't, to me, it would be crazy to go to one track for that many days, like with my one car. You know what I mean? Like I would, I think I'd get bored. We do four, five, six sessions a day. Running like I mean, that's 500 yeah, laps of it. Sebring. I'm over it. And only, I mean, how unless many, I'm training to compete at Sebring, I'm over it. Yeah, and there, but there's folks, and I and I'm, I, I want to empathize with them. There's folks that like, they really want to find that last tenth. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And so if I it salute takes, that actually. If it takes three days to find that tenth, cool. Like, do your thing. But I'd be five days in one track. I'd I be bored. Yeah, I also don't think that school is where you're going to get to that one, that last tenth. The uh, what O'Neill or no, Sebring? no 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 it's at, at, at Sebring. Yeah yeah. I don't know. I think Sebring is not where I'd want to spend five days. Um, right? If it was like the Nurburgring, where, 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 what track, Jay, would you spend five days at? Uh, Seca, Laguna Seca, Laguna maybe. Seca, yeah. Laguna Seca, you could run 100 laps and enjoy all of them. Um, uh, VIRR, just because I like uh-huh. the, 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 variety Grand, Grand of different, the variety of options yeah. there. So there are different that options. Are courses that are technically interesting and offer a variety of configurations. Places you're not going to get bored. I'd yeah. get bored at Lime Rock. I love Lime Rock. I love Lime Rock probably more than anywhere. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to spend five days well, there. Like you have it. In, you have it in a in a in a couple days. I did a five day or there. I did the Skippy school there. That's so That's did I. I did Skippy. Yeah. Were you were you young? Like were you? A, this was two thousand and four and five. Oh, I did it in the nineties, and it was it was uh, Dodge. It was. I just oh, yeah. talked about this with was Pete Bruce Stout. McInnes, the head instructor. He's a G. I don't remember. Bruce McInnes is the 19. old the old guy who fucking runs the joint. He probably rules. then. And then Dean DiGiacomo was my instructor. He is now Lamborghini's head instructor. And so when we see each other at Lambo events, it's G. What were they running at the time? What were the cars? We were driving. Um, I, I did multiple schools there. So I did the first one was was Miata. Oh, okay. And then I did the Formula shit boxes. The formulas later. And yeah. then I did the Formula shit boxes that had wings. After right. that, yeah, it was Dodge. Yeah, they were junk. It was Dodge Neons and the cars, Stealths. The cars were terrible. What I was doing. It. Oh, it was Stealths. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> stealths are cool. Uh, Evan says he found the podcast back in June and has been listening ever since. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad we can enjoy you, sir. Thank you for your donation. JW says I own a 2018 Golf R uh, blue with DSG. Oh, right. Does 25,000 miles a year. Well-rounded car. Would I ruin an otherwise great car with an APR, ECU, and TCU tune? No, not at all. If you're talking about a stock Volkswagen product with the APR, Stage 1, ECU, and Trans tune, that's going to enhance. That's not going to ruin. That's a pretty mild mod. Those are That's well within parameters for um, stress on the engine. Uh, APR is a very conservative company with their off-the-shelf maps. You can throw an off-the-shelf in that and run it and run it pretty hard and as long as you watch your temps you know on track days or whatnot you know you're going to be totally totally fine do recommend 
it kind of just wakes the car up, right? Yeah, just better throttle response, gives you a little more boost a little earlier, yeah. but doesn't put that much more stress on the engine. No. Mm-hmm. What do we got here? Navid 786. I like 2000s era Aston Martins, but I can't make sense of the model numbers. What is a good one to park money? And which one is in Casino Royale? Casino, <laughs> Casino Royale is a DBS, I believe. Was that was it? Pretty was sure. that the one-off? Pretty sure. No, no, no. That, the DB10 was in the next one. Oh, okay. Casino Royale is the DBS. Oh, you're right. We barely see it. It just flips it ro- over. He rolls it a bunch. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. He rolls it a bunch. I mean, that's a practical effect. Um, I it mean, was. They what? They got a world record. I mean, all right. Hang on. So in in chronological order, you had. The Vanquish, which was came out in 01 as an 02 model. You then had the Vantage, which came out in, I believe, 06. Uh, the DB9 came out in 05. It didn't quite replace the Vanquish, but it overlapped. It, the Vanquish went until 06. DB9 went until um, uh, 11 or 12 or maybe 13. Um, or maybe even a little, maybe even 14. Um, good place to park money. Aston Martins are a very bad place to park money. <laughs> Unlike many other uh, supercars, Aston Martins straight up depreciate. They, they depreciate like regular cars. And so um, they don't really have a bottom either. They depreciate yeah. until you get to the bottom. I have a Vanquish with a manual transmission swap. I, I don't know if it's a good investment. My father got the car as a gift from Ralph Lauren. Um, so. Obviously, our investment in the car is extremely minimal, so <laughs> keeping it as a car is uh, is a good inv- good enough investment for us. Um, y- y- you know, good place to park money. I mean, I wouldn't recommend an Aston Martin as a place to park money. If you want to drive an Aston Martin, what's great about them is you get a V12 or in some cases V8 a supercar luxury GT experience for what is in many cases less of an entry price than a Ferrari um, or something like that. So having said that, a lot of the cars, the cars have some parts spin stuff. The repairs and maintenance can be expensive. Um, some of them, you know, they're not really, some of them are not really well taken care of. My favorites uh, in terms of value for money and in terms of a long play, the 2011 V12 Vantage with a manual, short wheelbase, stick shift V12. Like that's a recipe for a winner. Um, those are around 110, 120,000 bucks, and I think they are pretty level there. Um, you know, Vanquishes are good value for money because they're cheap. They're like forty grand, and it's a beautiful car. And I think a good a good long play because in the long play, what matters is is it pretty? Does it sound good? That's all that matters. I mean, literally, like shit boxes are worth a fortune today because they're pretty and they sound good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A Lancia Stratos is not a good car, but it's pretty and it sounds good. That's why it's worth nine hundred thousand dollars. You know, what I mean? like Muras are like not good cars. They're pretty and they sound good, so they cost a fortune. Old Aston Martins too. A DB5 drives like a fucking tractor, but it's pretty and it sounds good. And so, so. Know what you're getting into. Find a good independent shop. Have any car you look at checked over. But what this 
if he can't make sense of it, I mean, li- literally what this gentleman has described is their entire model lineup in the, in, in the 90s. They all have the same rule of thirds. That's why all Aston Martins look kind of similar. They go by the rules of thirds, and their proportions are all exactly the same. Yeah. That's why that system works. But um, parking money? And Aston Martin's a bad place to park money. Ferrari's a good place to park money. Ferrari 360, that's a good place to park money. Mm-hmm. Oh, where are we at, just, bro? Holy yeah, it just, it just, uh, it just uh, did a thing. <laughs> well, listen, we're gonna get through as many as we can get through. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Um, I got, I got the stamina, and then the ones we can't, we'll try and stay for later. I'm sorry if I can't get through all of them, but um, Auburn f- Vans. Let's see. Hang on. Uh, what's my mom like? Uh, my mom, my mom is a wonderful woman. She's very, uh, she's a Jewish mother in all the best and the worst ways. She's very kind. Uh, everyone, like, I used to fight with her when I was a kid, but everybody else loves her. Um, and I, I love her, obviously, and we get along much better now that we don't live in the same house. And I run, it turns out now that I, I have my own home, I run my house kind of like she ran her house. Just my rules are a little different, but I'm still pretty strict about them. Um, my mom, getting my mom on the show would be real interesting. I think... Um, <laughs> I I think my sister is the is the spitting image of my mother, and I'm I'm more like my father. Uh, is she ever selling her 1996 Atlanta Olympic Coke cans? Make a uh, yeah, make offer. <laughs> <laughs> she probably is. They just they just moved to a new house. I wonder if the Coke cans made it. They might have ended up in the fucking garbage. To be honest with you, um, Ben says, uh, are the special edition Seiko turtles worth the premium? Um, do not pay. I don't want to say don't pay. You can get into a Seiko Turtle for like $350, $400. They have some very special edition ones that go as high as like $2,000. In my opinion, don't do that. In my opinion, get yourself a $400, $500 Seiko Turtle. It's a fabulous watch. It's the Mustang GT of watches. And then go to a custom shop if you want and you can, for much less money than Seiko charges for their top-tier models, you can have your Seiko customized any number of ways. You can do fake aging, which is fun, change the hands, change the crystal, change the bezel, and you can have your own special edition. I, I think the original vintage Captain Willard, the, the, the vintage 62 Moss, those, those are collectibles and they are what they are, but if you're talking about the brand new watches, if you're doing real diving, then by all means, get a really nice Seiko dive watch. I recommend that. But if you're talking about style statements, get a cheaper one, customized to suit. That would be my recommendation. Uh, JJ Moore has sort of been as successful as I hoped, uh, and do I think it would have done better on TSG Channel? Um, it hasn't done as well as I hoped, but also there have been some problems that we discussed earlier in the show. If you weren't here for that, we discussed the production problems, and you can catch that one up later. Um, do I think it might have done better on TST's channel? Maybe. Do I think it would have done better on Amelia's channel? Yes, absolutely. If it was my choice, I would have put it on Amelia's channel um, and not not mine or Rob's. But like I said, Auto Tempest uh, did make that call, and and... Whether or not it's successful by, um, it's most important if it's successful by Auto Tempest standards because they're the ones writing the checks. And if they fund it again, then that's good for everybody because I like earning that living. It's very fun. Um, most importantly, I am I am proud of the finished product. I think it's um, 
like any brand new show, there are some things that need working on for the next time. So maybe it's re reallocation of resources. Maybe it's spending a little more time here, a little less time here. Maybe it's a slightly different editing style or whatever it is that we, we learned from the first season or the, whatever games we play with the cars. You know, it's, a, it's about playing a game that's visually interesting and exciting versus how much time does it take to play that game. One of the things we did in the regionals was we had a 10-lap track session, the car to survive a 10-lap session. That's a nice test, but it's a, it takes a really long time. <laughs> and to cover, to cover that, you know, with cameras and data and all that, you know, you're going through whole batteries and whole memory cards and shit just to do those. And so that maybe isn't the best, most exciting way to test these cars, you know. So, so it's a learning experience, and if Auto Tempest steps up and, and, and funds another round of it, I think season two will be even better. You know, it's the first time you do anything, it's going to be a little, a little rough around the edges. But I'm pretty happy with the finished product. I think it's a fun show. I've watched every show start to finish, every episode, and, and I think it's fun. And so I think that as it gets to the rest of this season – it gets a little more polished and nice, and if we get to do it again, it'll get even better. Superman says, I have to sell one of my cars, the Lambo, the Ferrari, or the Porsche. What is it? I'd sell the Ferrari. I'm not yeah. quite bonded with it yep. yet in the way that I would miss it if it was gone. It's a nice thing. I'm happy it's here. It's cool. But I haven't. it's not like we've gone on adventures together. Not that, bonded yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chappie says, what is the GT car Porsche doesn't build that should? A rally car, like you say. A rally car, short gearing, a little extra ground clearance, I think would be very fun. A, uh, a 911 or Cayman. They had that Cayman rally car that they built one of, I think. If they had a production version of that, that would be bitching. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be didn't awesome. Didn't they just, didn't they, like a week or so ago, didn't Porsche just release a bunch of their concept cars? Yeah. And, wasn't and one, one, was a, one was one a Safari. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was cool. Uh, MDK Kaiser plans to do something to celebrate when I hit a million subs on the main channel. Fucking smoke some of this Tradecraft Farms, bro. <laughs> it's not final. It's not official. But today I was over at a meeting downtown in Skid Row, as you do, mm -hmm. where I'm pretty sure I actually locked it up. You did it? Pretty sure that by the end of 2020, we will actually be paid to smoke and talk about a specific brand of weed. Outstanding. And not only that, a brand of weed that actually I, like, I really like. Yeah, you've been and waiting. Then, and that is doing re really interesting things. Before you leave, I can't talk about it yet publicly. Sure. I have to show you what's in the bag. Okay. Because you'll be like, <laughs> what's in the bag? You're going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Really? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. These guys are Tradecraft Farms is going to be the official ganja of the Smoke Tire podcast. I'm really excited. It's worked out because 80% of our audience is in America. 42% of that audience is in California. There you go. We're massively slanted to California. Um, follow that, it's New York, Florida, and then everything else. Um, but, but because of that, you know, normally selling a local product to a global audience is not the Tough. right idea. Tough. Um, but because such a huge percentage of our audience is in California and can purchase Tradecraft Farms product, we are uh, we're in business. Um, That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited for you. I know you were waiting for a while. That's really cool. You know why I had to wait a while? Hobie got COVID. Ah! <laughs> I had to wait for him to fucking be clear. 
For real. <laughs> oh, my God. For real. Homie was clear on, like, Thanksgiving, but I was like, give it an extra just extra wait. Six just days. wait. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, Elliot says, what is the best rough road performance car? Would it be a Safari sports cars, a performance SUV, a Raptor? Comfort and speed on terrible Michigan roads. Well, Safari cars are are great at bumpy roads, but you know there's a trade-off, right? You know the trade-off is sharp handling and stuff like that. Um, Raptors are pretty good at bad roads, but you got to be hitting the bumps fast enough, and you got to have some weight in the truck. Actually, the fa- with bypass shocks, if you're not going hard enough, it'll seem even stiffer. I was going to say, you rattle your teeth out. Yeah. I hate to say it, but the truth is, like, um, not even a performance SUV, like a Macan S with the smallest wheels they offer would be the best. Like, the performance SUVs, they tend to go with the big rims, yeah. which fuck you up on the bumps. Yep. A C8 Corvette, Double wishbone suspension would be fabulous. I mean, really fabulous in Michigan um, if you want something sporty. The C8 Corvette, I'm shit you not, is like the third or fourth best riding vehicle I've ever been in. Unbelievable. Yeah, with MagRide. Um, so I was shocked at how good that was. Um, a sports car with a double wishbone suspension, Lotus Evora, uh, Cayman, C8 Corvette, those are going to be really good on bumpy roads. You know, you can go Safari if you really want, but... And they're good. it is good on bumpy roads, but it's a trade-off. You know, it's it's not that's not for everybody. My 911 steers like a trophy truck, which to me is an outcome I expected, and is a fine trade-off for what I'm doing. But it's like that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I have compromised in something. Um, Patrick says, should I do a lap of the southwest of my with my lady? Oh, dude. I mean, I appreciate the question, but it's I'm I'm not a great tour guide. I mean, a lap of the Southwest. I don't, I what don't, does that even mean? Like, I don't think of driving roads when I think of Phoenix. I don't either. I would do national parks in Utah. I, I would make a I'd make a road trip that that connected like Zion, Bryce, and that area of Utah to Yosemite and uh, Yellowstone California and the Tetons. You know, I'd go from southern Utah to northern California. Even hit Tahoe and stuff and like that. And hit Tahoe and yeah. that kind of stuff. That's that's where you go to drive. You don't you don't want to drive around Arizona and the southern part of California. That's not good. Alex says, um, okay, hang on. Uh, will the transition of piston to electric passenger cars be remembered as a second malaise era for those in the 98%? I, I think... The problem with the transition to electric cars is that it is seen as inevitable. Same thing as the transition to autonomous cars. And it's positioned as being inevitable. But none of the things that would actually have to happen in order to make it successful are, like, happening at an appropriate pace. Agreed fully. The infrastructure, like, I just read Brad Brownell's story about trying to ride a Harley live wire, like, 100 miles. It took him, like... 10 hours to go 100 miles. I mean, you, the infrastructure in this country is unprepared yeah. for this supposedly inevitable transition to electric vehicles. Watch me now. I'm going to go AC Slater. Oh, I'm doing it. He's getting serious. AC Slater. I really have. This is where I get personal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On a very special episode of the Smoke right, Retire here's Podcast. Where we're, here's where we learn lessons. <laughs> I just don't see, you know, the. The EV market share is not growing by that much. It's just not. 
I mean, there's cool new EVs coming. I get that. And like, man, you major OEMs are going to start selling some, and they're putting resources into it. And but just because they're selling this shit doesn't mean people are buying it. A lot of people, you know, what a lot of people are buying Super Duties, big fucking trucks, Jeeps. Yeah, gas was like a dollar eighty in fucking Texas right now. No one's buying fucking EVs down there. Uh, Nathan says, I bought a 2013 Audi RS5 influenced by my one-take review. Could it become a collectible as one of the last NAV8s? No. No. I'm going to say no. I don't think that these modern Audi RS cars are really, truly collectible. I don't think NAV8s matter so much except in a certain class of vehicle, which the RS5 is not. Um, being an A doesn't really matter in that car. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a nice engine, but it's not like it's not like the RS5 is such a pure driving experience that being an A is integral to that experience. Um, I think the the most collectible of the modern Audis will almost certainly be the um, 2009 RS4 convertible, which was a manual transmission, uh, four-seat convertible with that same engine, and only oh. 300 were sold in America. It was the last generation's body mm -hmm. style, right? Mm -hmm. I remember that. The yeah. A4 Cabrio, but as right. an RS4. Right. Incredibly rare. Had the they, wheel flares and everything. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't sell them new incredibly rare car and that is the collectible uh, of the modern Audis yeah Ralph says other than a Civic or air-cooled 911 what is a durable and reliable fun to drive car I mean bro come on come on Mustangs Camaros Any like car can be fun I mean and and and, and cars are durable if they're modern and stock you can beat the shit out of basically any stock vehicle. You can't sell a bad car anymore, right? It's very difficult. Almost any stock car you can hammer the shit out of. I mean, that's too general a question. I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, any car from the past. Paolo says, pick any car from the past to buy as new today. What would it be and what spec? Be the Ferrari F40. And oh. I'll have one in red. Thank you very much. And it would be the spec where it had the motorized seatbelts. The, US, uh, first the year? U.S. motorized seatbelts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Brandon wants to know, what would I choose as my do nearly everything sporty SUV and why? I would choose the Macan because it is like a rally car. Um, the Macan, I don't know if I'd go turbo. It's not really necessary. But, but a, 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 a Macan with enough power to have a good time because it has the best steering uh, it's built according to the Porsche ethos, even though it's share it's platform shared, and um, I know several people who have bought them, and and they're all they're all happy with their Macans, and I, I've enjoyed every Macan I've ever driven, really, even the four cylinder I liked, uh, for how how cheap it was. Ben Vandenberg four door daily drift car. Here's a fucking thing you don't hear very often: daily drift car. <laughs> uh, a Lexus IS300 Infiniti G35 or BMW 330i. I mean, I got to go IS300 because JDM. Just straight up because JDM. Right? It's 10K? Yeah. I mean, unless you want to go Crown Vic or something. Uh, no. I, 
I'm, I'm was, I was more struggling with, do you think they meant drift car or driver? But I do think with those options, it's got to be. No, that's a drift the, car. The, the, those the cars, are a drift car. It's got to be. Drift car. Uh, Jacob Hoffman says, I need to line up Harry Metcalf. I should hit up Harry. I know Harry a little bit. We've chatted on Twitter about Countach's. And he's a very nice man uh, in the brief exchanges we've had. I Is think the guy in England, the, the guy's guy garage. Mm-hmm. I, I follow mm-hmm. that channel. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He was one of the founders, I think, of Evo Magazine, I think. Oh, my God. I, didn't I don't know, know if he was just this editor or, or founder, but. Did not know. Oh, hello. Haride Sabal with a fucking big dick donation. Love it. Haride. Haride. <laughs> says, I'm coming close to being able to get my first supercar. Congratulations. Huracan Evo. Good choice. Like it. Consider the rear drive. As that day comes, I'm concerned that people in my life and strangers will think it's an excessive car. It is. However, <laughs> I don't want an R8. I love the theater of a Lambo. Stay awesome. Okay. Here's the problem, bro. <clears throat> the problem is someone in your life has told you or convinced you that it is not okay to have the thing you want if the thing that you want says the wrong thing about you. And so I say that it is important to recognize what you want, why you want it, to work hard to get it if that's what it takes, or if not, just fucking buy it. I won't judge. Um, And to own it. I do a lot of goofy shit in my life. I wear goofy-ass New Balance shoes, and I get them in really fun, fucking crazy-ass colors because I own the fact that I wear goofy-ass New Balance shoes. Um, I, I drive cars that people would consider completely absurd, but that's okay. I wear expensive watches because I like watches, but also because I think it's okay to have a trophy. Um... And so I understand uh, modesty. I understand that buying and driving a Lamborghini is, uh, is going to say something about you to people who don't know you and maybe even the people who do know you. But as long as you don't act like an asshole, <laughs> as long as you don't become a completely different person and you, you stay true to yourself, you can buy and drive any car you want and it is okay to have a trophy. It's okay to have want to want some theater in your life, um, and and that's all fine. There's nothing wrong with buying and and driving and enjoying a supercar, um, as long as you didn't steal from anybody to do it. That's cool. Um, Cameron uh, oh, wants to see Dustin from Mischief on the show. I don't know what happened to that dude. I haven't seen those videos in forever. Oh man, Andrew wants to know. Am I? Are you going to trade in your Mark Seven GTI for a Mark Seven and a Half GTI? Don't do that. Wait for the Mark Eight. Just wait for the Mark Eight. There's a new one coming out in like six months. Don't buy the old one. That's dumb. Daniel Berman says, "Is singerifying Aston's appealing to you?" <sighs> um, that's an interesting question. The singerification of Aston's. You know, I don't think they need it because what Singer does is they they acknowledge and respect 
and contain the fact that all Porsches from like 1968 to 1998 are like on the same tub, <laughs> almost exactly. The same. And that you can you can kind of mix and match those styles in a really idealized way to make it work. Different eras of Astons have distinctly different styles. So if the question is, can you take apart a DB9 and put it back together with more attention to detail than Aston Martin did, you could and it would be expensive. But do I want to see the details of a 1992 Virage, a 1968 DB6, and a Vanquish put together into one car. No, I don't think I do. I don't think I need to see that. And I think that I have uh, the, the disclaimer is I met Ian Callum once and he couldn't have been any nicer. He was so friendly. We had a great chat for 20 minutes and it was one of the highlights of my Monterey experience that year. I don't like what he did with the Vanquish the second time around. I don't think that that really needed to be done. Um, so I'm not really about that. <laughs> Uh, so to answer your question, Daniel, the short version, no. Um, Mr. Lal, L-A-L-S-D, last la, L, L, L-A-L-S-D, uh, <laughs> what will I happen to, what do I think will happen to used car prices? He was hoping the 488 GTB would be sub 200K by now, but it seems like it's gone up by 20K. Well... Uh, like everything else in the year 2020, the Ferrari factory wasn't making as many cars as they normally did, right? So a lot of companies, a lot of manufacturers of luxury in-demand goods, whether it's Rolex, Patek Philippe, um, Louis Vuitton, or Ferrari, they have less cars to offer this year than they did last year, and less product. And you can see this in the watch game. You can see this in the sneaker game. You can see this in any kind of uh, investment asset class uh, in 2020. There's less new product being delivered, which drives up the value of the older product. So so the idea that 488s would be under 200000 by now, I think, I think that was frankly optimistic at best, even in a good year. Um, but in 2020, yeah. Used car values of in-demand cars are holding because the rich are still rich. You know, they haven't lost their net worth. A lot of them have got even richer. They're bored. They want to buy cars. And the normal channels of buying cars and watches from authorized dealers, you know, that supply is dried up. I was just in Miami for this sorted shoot. Popped by the Rolex store. Fucking cleaned out. They had about eight watches in the really? whole place. Yeah, nothing. They got nothing. So uh, that's what's happening. I mean... Car used cars, uh, cars that are you know in demand like like exotic cars. The values are very very strong right now. So yeah. Uh, let's see. Star Star says uh, <laughs> I mentioned the AMG V12 experience isn't what a V12 should be. Should I explain why? Yeah, it's like quiet. <laughs> the AMG V12 is just like it's smooth because it's a 12, but like. It's not an energetic, frantic, crazy, sound-tuned engine. It also still sounds like an AMG, whereas yeah. I think of a V12 as having a scream to it. You know, you're getting the higher revs up and just... Exactly. <laughs> you're exactly right. Is it, is it... I don't know. I was. I, was, <laughs> I got a little distracted. No, you it, right? felt like, it looked like uh, <laughs> there was like a chip in the glass that, that I felt like it was going to cut my mouth, but it didn't. Uh, what, what Jay just said, it's not an energetic, 
motorsport V12 engine. It's it's designed for smoothness, luxuriousness, and, and torque. And so when most people talk about the V12 experience, they're really talking about a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, or an Aston Martin. Higher Pretty, octave. Uh, exactly. Higher octave, higher screen. You know, uh, a musical uh, instrument. Yeah. A musical instrument that you play with your foot and that makes you go fast. And most Mercedes V12s, A, are connected to automatic gearboxes, just straight up slushy gearboxes. So it's not like you get to play the symphony with your foot, you know? Um, and they're you typically powering cars that aren't particularly exciting. I mean, I understand that, yes, a Mercedes S65 is a very fast car, but I've driven them. It's not that exciting. It's Exciting happens both at the limit, but also in traffic. A, a 911R feels like a 911R in a traffic jam. Mm. A, Merce a Mercedes SL65 doesn't feel any different than a Mercedes SL320 in a traffic jam. It costs three times as much. That's what I'm trying to say. So that's what I mean by the Mercedes V12 experience. It's, it's Yes, it's more power, but it's not a sensory experience, which is what most people say, mean most people say when they mean they want a V12 experience. Jake says, I'm looking to buy an HYT H2 replica watch. Um, you should not do that. <laughs> you should not buy uh, an HYT, for those who don't know, uh, is a very, very cool and interesting piece. HYT is a company that plays with um, fluids, electromechanical movements and fluids. So if you want to pull up my screen, Jay, I've got some HYT dials pulled up. And what's incredibly interesting about HYT is you can see in this image here, um, they've the the minutes track around the outside is a Whoa. tube with fluid, and you can see at the bottom the bellows on either side, and literally it fills it from one side to the other. And this is a pretty a more basic version of what they do. They have some insane stuff that they do with uh, with fluids. Um, and so if you really pull up some crazy HYT stuff, like just really, really interesting designs that involve multiple types of fluids and colors. This thing looks like a fucking alien dreadnought on your fascinating. arm. Fascinating. I've never seen anything like this before. And these watches are these are incredible. I mean, what we're what we're really talking about here is watches that are fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Um, Axel Rose is sponsored by HIT, which should not be HYT, which should not be surprising. It's a very Axel Rose watch to be wearing. <laughs> Axel Rose known for being on time, right? <laughs> no, right. It's a great thing? watch for being late and saying "fuck you" when you get there. <laughs> um, and I understand if if there are. I don't know of any um, hydromechanical watches that are under a thousand dollars. This technology is is handmade. It's incredibly expensive, and and and. There's a lot of nice watches you can buy for like a thousand bucks, and I really recommend buying one of those. I'm a big fan of Seiko, but Hamilton makes great watches, and um, Alpina makes great watches, and Sin makes great watches, and Bell and Ross makes great watches. Baumercier, a lot of these companies make really great watches, and and you can get a great watch for a thousand bucks, and for even less. I talk about Seiko Turtles; they're five hundred bucks all day. Um, is that the uh, one that just looks like the uh, the 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 Steve McQueen Rolex? The 
Is that the Seika? No. The, no the, There's um, one blackface that everyone seems to have. Yeah. No, there's this fucking Daniel Wellington watch that looks like oh, okay. the fake. The, 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 uh, oh, the, 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 the uh, non-date. Uh, there probably is a Seiko that looks like a Stephen right. Queen. Uh, I don't know offhand. I'm sorry to say, but, but I just, just don't buy fake watches because you're buying garbage that all, because here's why. People don't give a shit. I walk around wearing a $25,000 watch from time to time, and you know who gives a fuck? Nobody. I'm only wearing it for myself. Seriously, I am only wearing it for my own satisfaction. Nobody cares. And so to wear a fake, you're impressing, you're trying to flex and impress people, and the only people who give a shit are the ones that know it's fake. It's like fake badging your car. Mm. Nobody gives a shit what your badge says, except the people that know you're lying. Putting the M or the AMG yeah, on it's, top. And, and a fake watch is the same thing. It, You know it's fake the whole time, and it ruins it. You don't have what any of the What are you trying to sense. do, right? You, well, you're trying to flex, but you're, but, but, but I you understand. Know you're, but you know you're not. I kind of understand a fake Rolex, kind of. You're trying to say you're richer than you are, right? I guess. But, but to buy a fake HYT, or a fake AP, or something that's not immediately identifiable as rich guy. You're now just trying to impress people, but mm. the only people you'll impress are people that know it's fake. So that it's it's not Weird. the right move. Right. Like I don't think you should buy fake Rolexes either, but I understand why somebody might. It's an immediately identifiable status symbol, and I can't afford it, so I'm going to fake it. Mm -hmm. All right, fine, but. I wouldn't. I, you're talking about what they would call hot horology, like fucking art. You're talking about art, mechanical art. Yeah. It, it, buying a fake HYT would be like having a fake Morgan Arrow Super Sports. <laughs> Who are you impressing with this? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? No one even knows what a real Morgan Arrow <laughs> Super Sports is. Now you got to tell someone, explain what it is, and then also explain it's a fake. No, you've yeah. got a really good point. For me, yeah. it's furniture. I think of furniture, mid century yeah. stuff, because yeah. that's my jam. Anything fake, you're right. Only somebody who knew the real one would know that it was even a fake. Unless you want to lean into the fake. Now, here's an example of that. We are going to fake Ames chairs in my new home because real Ames chairs are a fucking ripoff. And the dude who makes who made my couch in my office, that amazing, t beautiful couch, he can knock off Ames chairs with any wood and material you want for like a third of the price of an Ames chair. I've got all that bus fabric left from the safari. Oh, no. Ames chair no safari, way. dude. Oh. We're going hard. So we're going to lean into the fact that it's a fake yeah. by going overboard. Yeah. And there's no way that would be real. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's a fake. But you're going to follow the design in the original. Correct. It'll yeah. it'll look like it's a real chair that's been recovered. But it's same thing with, like, my fake aging of the Seikos. Mm -hmm. Like, they're fuck. It's I'm not fake aging a valuable Rolex. I'm fake aging a, value, a valueless Seiko because right. it looks kind of fun. It's just a fun little thing to do. Do. So leaning Distressed. into the fake is one thing, and everyone I say it's fake, but just but don't buy fake watches. I was a docent at the Eames house. I shouldn't hear any of this. Only buy real, folks. Only buy real, <laughs> unless unless you're going to commission someone to make it fake for you. That's different. Honestly, I can't wait to see I'm these paying, chairs. That guy's making that guy's paying his mortgage on our fakes. We're cool with that. Are you going to do? <laughs> we're, not yeah, selling, we're not selling them. Are you going to do? Is it going to be uh, like you said multiple? Is it a couple? It's two. Okay, cool. Very yeah. Cool. His and hers. I love it's, it. It's uh, for those who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking it's about. It's 
I'm assuming you're talking about the the you can the pull up Eames my, lounge I have, chair. I have it on my screen. Yeah, the Eames it's lounge these. chair. Yeah, it's the it's the lounge chair with the ottoman, and the real one, as you can see, is fifty five hundred dollars. Believe Herman it's Miller. Herman Miller. Yeah, yeah. five five hundred and five hundred one. I believe are the uh, the item mm-hmm. numbers on mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that'll be fun. Okay. Uh, don't buy fake watches. Uh, Staxi Golden uh, 991.1 GT3 RS versus Ferrari 430 Scuderia. Brain says GT3, but my heart says Scud. Five to six track days a year. Um, I would say, have you owned a Ferrari before? And if not, you should buy the Scud. Because a car enthusiast, given the opportunity and the means, should own at least one Ferrari. It's just a thing. It's like you sh- eventually you should own a Porsche as well, but there's a lot more Porsches than there are Scuds, and the Scud is still new enough that it doesn't feel like a really old car. And the problem with F1 gearboxes is eventually it will feel like a really old car. So you might as well get it now, while it doesn't. They're fun on the track too. Scuds are good because you know why? They got really small wheels by supercar standards. It's like 235 fronts, 275 rears. And more time on the track. So, yeah, more more track time and, and less tire wear and cheaper tires and cheaper brakes and stuff like that. I feel like a Scuderia is special enough that that may retain value as well, too, don't you think? They have a floor. There's a floor. It's not that they it's not they retain so or they go, just sit sit where they're at. There is thing. a floor, and the floor is basically what the driving experience is worth. Hot, you know, 180, 160, okay. like, you know. High high hundreds, that's about right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, could you, you yeah. if if someone's an actual driver, could you get as much out of that car as you could get out of a GT3 RS on those five to six track days a year? Uh, GT3 RS will be faster. Yeah, the Aero. I think you'd get more. Yeah, out the of Aero. It, yeah. But 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 it's not like you'd not have a great time. Right. You'd have a great. You know. Yeah. GT3 Scuderia RS might even is be also more fun. pretty pretty surgical, whereas a Scud would be a little looser, mm-hmm. less Aero. That could be fun. Loose yeah. is good. Yeah. We learned that I driving 911R. Oh, can't say that. I can't, ah! can't say that. Uh, oh boy. What, how, how long have we been going? Uh, t- over 210. And, Fuck uh, out of here. And how, are we close to the bottom? Cut we are. Off. We're okay. almost at the bottom. All right. We get to the bottom of this list. What's the name at the bottom? Go to the bottom. We're going to call it. Unprotected Specs. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Okay. So go, <laughs> go back up. And we get to Unprotected Specs. We're going to call the game. I appreciate all of you. Um, Colin Elmore. Colin Elmore, um, what? Wa- oh boy, what watch for two hundred and fifty dollars? Yeah, Seiko Turtle. It's gonna be like three hundred dollars, but just save up the extra money. Two fifty isn't it? It's three. It's three fifties where you gotta be, and get rid of that Vincero. That's not good. I know I have. <laughs> I know I advertise for them. I did. I ran ads for them for a while, and it's not that I feel bad about it. Their watches were priced. Let's call it appropriately. But let's say I used the Vincero money and bought Rolexes with it. I recommend doing that. That's the best use of a Vincero to turn it into something else. But get a Seiko Turtle uh, or a Seiko um, SKX. Jason Stiglbauer plans to review the Baja boot. Um, I am very happy to see the Baja boot doing all the things it's doing. Jimmy G, James Glickenhaus, is um, a very interesting cat who spends money in all the right ways. Um, Larry uh, talked about driving. He got to have a go in it on the podcast. Um, I would like to drive it, and I think that driving it is in the cards. Um, I just have to go to New York in order to do it. And so 
Um, it probably won't happen until the spring, but in the, uh, it's possible and in the spring. And I think the fact that um, – I don't know if you saw the drama. Do you see the drama on Twitter about the – so, <clears throat> you know, the Baja boot won its class in Baja, mm-hmm. which is amazing, and it beat the, the Bronco factory team. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a very uh, the new Bronco factory. Right, 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 right. It's yeah. a very that's an impressive thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a video of it like passing the Bronco, and okay. uh, you know I think uh, there was some back and forth between Mike Levine from Ford and and Glickenhaus on like radio Twitter. back and forth. Oh no, 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 no on this Twitter is, okay. afterwards, and uh, Glickenhaus blocked Mike Levine. Holy shit! Which is which is pretty lame actually. It's pretty lame. Couldn't take the heat. <laughs> I mean, well, considering it, considering that their team was talking shit, their team was talking mad shit about their car beating Ford's. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Ford had a, like a mild clapback about like I'm sure all your millionaire clients will be really excited, and they got and they blocked them, which I think is a pretty vagina move. It is right. Well, if you could, were the one calling out in the first place, yeah, yeah it's if you're going to talk shit, saying I can't take it. Come on! Yeah, it's not cool. You can win East the coasters, you, you can win the fly. race, but not get not take being called out that your clients are millionaires. You wouldn't last in New York. They're they're in New York. Oh, they, well, they're, they're in Connecticut. Last. Well, that's even worse. People from <laughs> Connecticut. The car's cool though. I think are they really bum. in Connecticut? Seriously? Yeah, they're in Danbury. Gee whiz, that's that's really me. I know. <laughs> Jim's from Rye. I used to see him all the time in Rye. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he lives in. Rye. You guys wish you were big together. He, he, no, I, used I, to I go to Playland because of Rye every oh, time. Big. I can't help oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the site of the Zoltar machine. And a lot of weed smoking when I was a youth. I got lost there when I was a kid, but that's for another day. Like as it, like you were like lost, lost I was, as a child? I was in the bathroom. I was <clears throat> three or four, three, three years old. I was carry, carryable. I went into the bathroom with your mom, like you do at that age. And I guess somehow I left first. I thought she had left, so I ran out to go catch up with her, but she still was oh, in. No. So there I am, all alone, running around Ride Playland. Some guy found me and gave me a sip of his Just soda. You by yourself with all that heroin around? Yeah, who I mean, knew? I didn't even know Ride was such a nice, hero- nice neighborhood, except at Playland, where all the heroin was. This was, <laughs> I did not know that. This was before the Mariah Carey video, and probably before Big. Mm. Mariah Carey video was what, 91, maybe? Probably. Escapade? Big was like 85 or 86. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> that was fun for us. <laughs> right. K. Kostek. In hindsight, would I change the first car that I ever purchased, assuming the same time frame and budget? Yeah, I probably would have, actually. First car I ever purchased was a Subaru Legacy GT, um, which was actually a very nice car. Is that a wagon? No. It was the sedan. It sedan. came as a wagon also. Um, but... I got rid of it like two years later to get a Mustang because pre-WRX you couldn't really modify Subarus. In 98, there were like no parts for Subarus until the WRX came out and then you could start modifying Subarus. So uh, I sold it and got a Mustang and my friends Larry, Jimmy, Dan, and Mike all had Mustangs. We all had Mustangs together and Jimmy was the wrench and so uh, he worked on all our cars. We all had exactly the same engines he did the same shit to all of our cars so we all it's awesome yeah it was cool and so uh i probably would have just gone straight to the mustang and skipped over the subaru if i had known that that would have um been a thing um yeah alan says i have a massive corvette allocation 
thought they were all the same size. I have a slot saved for myself in the Z06. Oh, if I want it. No, I don't, I don't need an allocation. I'm definitely not buying one sight unseen. That's a, that's a, car, that's a lesson I learned. I'm never again going to buy a car that I don't get to drive first. Never. That's what um, Lieberman says. I did that with the Focus RS, and it was an absolute mistake, and it went horribly wrong, and it's not something it's, I, 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 you know. Uh, we'll do it again. Spoiled in a couple of ways. One of the ways is seat time. I, and there's no reason to ever buy a car or even order a car that I, uh, that I don't uh, drive first. AV Rides has a, oh, is a 2019 C7 Grand Sport manual with 5,000 miles, a hold or a sell? Uh, if I sold now, I could get close to what I paid for it new. Sell! Sell, yeah. sell, sell. Bye-bye. Your car will never be worth more than it is right now. There is no nostalgia for modern Corvettes. You either buy a 1967 to 69 Corvette, or you buy the newest, fastest one you can afford. Is the C7 the one right before this? Mid it's the last front engine, right? Do you think there will be any kind of demand nope. for that? You really don't? Not I at mean, all? I think this new one will be worthless. I think this, this I think the first mid-engine won't oh, that hang too. on to its value. That but I think the too. last, you know, I go with the Porsche, the logic of the last Maybe, airport, the last. Uh, yeah, ZR1s. Okay. I mean, look, and we're talking about, you're talking about, are we talking about holding value? We're talking about appreciation. Yeah. A Corvette <laughs> Not a that good. isn't a 67 to 69, or six, let's call it 63 to 69, does not appreciate it depreciates slower maybe than other cars but it depreciates you don't th even though they change the whole car like it's basically the last corvette now right right but who under 60 nobody cares will only drive front engine corvettes for the rest of their life what an interesting what, point what what where is that under 60 purist that would that would drive the demand for that hold I don't disagree with you, but I try to think of all the kids driving Porsche 911s nowadays that wouldn't have been <laughs> caught dead in them 10 years you ago. You silly, silly man. You know, as a 911 owner, that a 911 and a Corvette are not the same thing. <laughs> oh, I definitely the agree. Problem with, I de wait, I'm not trying to say that. No, here's actually the problem with 911s that, is, that, that Corvettes don't have. See, the best thing about Corvettes for GM is that the newest Corvette is always the best one. If it's not a 67 or 69, that, that continues to drive sales. Whereas there is a big faction of the population that refuses to see Porsches built after 1998 as real Porsches. And so yeah. there is a nostalgia that drives the air-cooled market, for sure. And, it's, and kids are catching on to that and, you know, yeah. buying. Like, I literally got my license, my driver's license, the year the last air-cooled Porsche came off the line. So I have no, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's different for me, and yet here I am, an air-cooled Porsche enthusiast. So, but, but what I am not, I'm not in like an 80s or 70s Corvette in, you know, enthusiast. I always well, like I mean, the newest, dopest one that comes out, but I'm not like, no, no, the, the 04 is really the one to have. No, I agree with you. I guess my point was that the 993. Like, oh, it's the last air-cooled. That's the last mm front engine and while we don't give a shit about it right now in 10 years yeah. i think like oh wow are they going to be pulling? well look here's the other thing air cooled is a totally totally different thing unavailable anywhere else it was unique to porsche and so an air cooled for from 1968 or whenever they 78 whenever they stopped selling the beetle in america whenever that right. was 78 whatever 77 whoever the fuck it was from then until 98, 
air-cooled mint Porsche. Yeah, that's true. And so that was an experience unavailable from anywhere else. Whereas a front-engine, rear-drive sports car, that's an experience that's available a lot of places. And a Corvette is great, but not necessarily special or nostalgic, except for potentially very sentimental reasons. <clears throat> Thanks. There's a, I I actually, that was more my question than anything. Yeah. Because I, I had actually been thinking about it. I thought the C7 might actually be it. I thought that would be the one to grab one. Maybe. I mean, look, I could be proven wrong here. I mean, I'm, it I'm, also I'm, was the one, that was the one that I, you could actually drive. That was the one that actually handled. They're fucking actually, great cars. There's not, no question that they're great cars. But we're talk, if you're talking about slow depreciation versus appreciation. Yeah, it's still going to go down. They're still going down. Okay. I don't, I don't, with the exception of, again, ZR1s, because ZR1s have the formula. Ginormous engine. So fucking fast and scary that actually people didn't buy them. Mm. And that, as a result, there are not very many of them around. Uh, it's very rare to see a C7 ZR1 on the street. Mm. I've seen maybe three. Um, my whole my whole life, customer yeah. cars. And so those are, and look, nothing wrong with Grand Sport. What a fabulous car, a C7 Grand Sport with a manual. I mean, yeah. you want to beat the balls off something for four hours? What a great choice. But it's, it's, not, uh, it's, not an, it's not an appreciating car. Fair enough. So if you've, had, if you've had it for two years and put 5,000 miles on it and you could, you could have, make those miles free, bye-bye. Move on. Move on. Absolutely move on. Um, you could also think about cars that way. I think a lot, too many people think about cars in terms of appreciation, whereas I think about cars in, the, in terms of, can I put 10,000 miles on this for free? Because that would be sweet. Yeah. And that strategy is, has worked out. Um, and that's a Ferretti strategy. Parker says, would I consider having Tom Mueller on the show? Extremely nerdy space. Um, Oh, this is the guy who retired and got a Tycon. See, that's very funny. I hit, there was a great meme about some dude who announced his retirement from SpaceX with a picture of a Tycon, which I thought was an epic burn. Oh, I get it. Now. I mean, <laughs> it's you and your Elon thing. It I was get an it. epic burn. No, that's a bur that's a fucking great burn. You don't <laughs> yeah, need no, me. I, yeah, no, I you don't need me for that to be a burn. Um, no, I mean Parker. Look, <laughs> I mean I'm gauging your response. He probably is interesting. He probably is interesting. But um, you know, we talked about this earlier this show. If you weren't here for it, you'd have to listen to it later. But, but um, not SEO gold, I don't think. Unfortunately, we're gonna we're looking for that gold. Um, all right, getting down. Three more, three more, and then we're done. Dustin wants to give a shout out to the V6 Camaro with a stick, good tires, and suspension upgrades. I agree, Dustin. You could probably make that car go really fast. Not gonna lie, that's a good chassis. Uh, Polar Bear says. What's the watch box looking like these days? Uh, you've seen most of it on Instagram. There's a, there's a couple Rollies. Uh, the 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 heavy hitter one, and I'll I mean, give me a second. I'll get a picture of it. Sure. The 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 only thing worth talking about really the Icapod I do still have and I really like that thing's cool. I wear it a lot. I'm wearing my old school um, Kermit Submariner today, but I. I got some the super heavy hitter is there's a series of deep seas here we go uh called Royal Navy Clearance Diver Deep Seas. So Rolex does not individually number anything except when they do an occasional military collab 
or government agency collab. And in 2013, they did a run of 50 uh, deep sea sea dwellers that were for what they called Royal Navy clearance divers, which are like, like Navy SEAL divers, but in England. And so you had to be a diver to buy one. Uh, you, you, they were only sold to the divers. There were only 50. And so a diver named Mark Elson was the only diver to buy two of all of them. <laughs> and uh, I now am the only person in the world who owns two. Wow. So uh, this is what the back of it looks like. It's amazing. a special titanium back. So I have number 21 and 22. I have all the paperwork from new, the receipts, the order forms, and I have Mark's military dive log, which is very, very cool, by the way. Do you wear watches like this, or does this is this a collection type thing? Are you going to wear one of them? How does it work? There's one that he, Mark wore a couple of times, uh, and I got a picture of him and his fucking shit wearing it, whatever. No, that's number 21. Number 22 is brand new in the box. This is number 22. Gotcha. And you can see it's it looks, got the film on the it's back. It's got the film. Yeah. It's got all the plastic on That's it. It's cool. never been worn. That's cool. And so these are investments. I got them. I don't... Um, I actually don't like the Sea Dweller all that much. It's a big boat anchory fucking watch. It's like wearing a heavy weight on your wrist. But these are, these are very, very, very special. There's only 50... I've got two. It's, it's a long... Deal. It's a long play. It's yeah. a very long play. They were frighteningly expensive but 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 considering there are so few and they're so well documented we consulted with Cameron Barr at Craft and Tailored and he was like oh, oh my god my god he was like about it and he's he only deals in the heavy hitter shit so so as far as new things in the watch box that's really it um and um there's uh uh the uh the fake vintage Seikos but nothing else um Oh, well, I suppose it would be a good time to announce that I just signed a deal uh, where I'm going to be uh, an official global ambassador for Bremont watches, which is very cool. Um, we are, me and Zach are both going to be wearing Bremont wow. uh, officially. And actually, uh, Jay, you're going to help me, have to help me place place it somewhere, but we're going to have a, a Bremont wall clock. Awesome. So maybe, maybe here? Maybe on the thing, or maybe um, maybe up there uh, by where that that exit route sign. I hate looking at. We can get rid of that and maybe put it there. But <laughs> but that's gonna be um, that's gonna be uh, that's awesome. So we we just signed the deal, and the watches are are on the way. And so yeah, I mean, I've actually uh, we we managed to find a way. Um, to work with a really, really interesting brand. Bremont is a really cool brand. They're from England. They do some cool stuff, and and they're sending us some of their dopest product. I'm I'm really excited to be working with them. And we're working on another product product with them that I'll tell you about later. I can't announce it yet, but it's actually going to be um, really, really, really niche. But for the people that are into it, it's going to be like a must-have fucking super sick item. So really excited about that. Uh, and that's going to be going in the watch box. But uh, yeah. That it's the watch box is, I'd say it's looking very strong right now. It's looking very, very strong. But financial advisors refuse to allow. They they say, listen, ten percent cars, five percent watches, of the net worth. Really? Don't get don't get beyond that. Otherwise, it's too it's too leaned into uh, 
they charge a lot for that advice. Yeah, and diversify. <laughs> yeah, we're, we <laughs> are. Yeah, diversify. The ha- you know your home, your your IRA, your stocks, and say. your fucking cars and your watches. Like all investment classes, all can be. You know, they all go up and down on their own. You know, watches and cars are doing very well right now. Uh, by the way, last question, and then we're gonna get the fuck out of here. Uh, unprotected specs. What a great name for a. Um, <laughs> For a username, um, WRX or Veloster N with Minnesota winters in mind. I love the Veloster N, but I gotta tell you, I'm not that about front wheel drive in snow. It's just not that fun for me. All wheel drive in snow is great. Front wheel drive in snow with snow tires on, like you'll get through the snow mm-hmm. just fine. But like, I don't know if I had the privilege of driving in snow all the time, I'd want to have some fun. Yeah. Like, I would go, like, I'd go fucking BRZ over Veloster Agreed. N. Agreed. You know Both what I mean? Are, yes. With snow tires. Yes. Rear drive snow tires is mad fun. Yep. Like, a car that has good dynamics on the ro- on tarmac, uh, dry tarmac, will have good dynamics on loose surface if you put appropriate tires on it. Exactly. In general. Um, and so I would say that... Um, the physics stay the same. All the you physics... Lose is, all you lose is the uh, traction. Exactly. So, I mean, in my opinion... The Veloster N uh, is a lot of power into a front-wheel drive car. It's a nice little car, but it's not what I would want to be driving in the snow. I don't like loose surface front-wheel drive that much. There's people that are into it. I put loose surface front-wheel drive in the same class that I put autocross. There's people that are all it's about so it. Funny. It's really challenging, rewarding if you get it right. I'd just rather be doing something else with my time. I was going to say, it's it's strangely safe. It feels yeah. strangely safe. You're never really out of whack because you can't get the back in front of the front. <laughs> You, I mean, look, if you, you, you hand can, brake, you can, left foot brake, the technique is really different and interesting, and the people who are good at it are fucking wizards, but it's just not what I want to spend my time doing. You know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> know what I mean, Vern? Wow. All right. Well, Shout that's a show. Is there, is there like one or two left? There's one left. Oh, one? I'm not going to fuck this guy over. Sanju. Thoughts on the GR cars? Um, Look. Oh, boy. Now, I can't answer GR questions in in perfect conscience because my wife worked on a campaign for Toyota regarding the GR brand and I was hired as a consultant. That's the full full disclaimer. I was hired to help write car guy questions for their research group to give their questions car credibility. And I'm familiar with their answers and I'm slightly familiar with their product planning schedule. So I'm a little bit insidery on this one and I'm not quite as objective. Objectively the cars seem awesome and it seems like they're going to the Chris Harris loved the Yaris. It seems like they have some very interesting and cool product planning. Uh, from a brand positioning standpoint, I think they have not been definitive enough with what the GR brand means in America and versus what does say TRD mean versus, you know, um uh, Lexus products and whatnot. So uh, I'm optimistic uh, that they can get it together. I uh, I don't think they listen to me very much. <laughs> I I gave them some of my thoughts, and I don't think they really did anything with them <laughs> or wanted to hear them very much. <laughs> because you, the didn't, follow- you didn't say what we were thinking. Damn. They, I did not say what what what. Uh, but I also put them in touch with a bunch of influencers that I think are 
good, honest people that have a have a, a pulse of the community and gave them real feedback about their product. And so, so I, 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 um, I think. I don't think they're pandering. I think they genuinely want to do want to build an enthusiast product and I think if you get a GR car it's it's likely likely based on what I know going to be a truly engineered product and not just a sport exhaust and a set of wheels. <laughs> that was that that was it was pretty consistent in the in the in their product planning the GR cars did have to be fundamentally uh really changed dynamically and so we're optimistic and that's uh, I think that's a good place to end this show Jay that's it um, I appreciate everyone listening and participating with their questions I really I had fun doing a, a nice little solo show today I haven't, very cool. I haven't done solo in a very long time we've been so guest focused so it'll be interesting to see how this show performs in the numbers and maybe it'll be a thing we do more of and so uh, thank you all for listening thank you to our new weed sponsor mm. Tradecraft Farms It'd be a lot of interesting product to announce from those guys. I, I took a tour of their product planning room today, and it was fucking crazy. <laughs> They're doing really interesting things in weed rooms right now. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about the weed room. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this partnership with Braymont is going to be cool. It's, um, you know, pandemic's been shitty for everybody, but those who have managed to create content, it seems, are uh, are being uh, uh, rewarded with fun, fun product partnerships that we can work with. So, Jay! Thanks for coming down tonight, bud. Thank you. Appreciate having, having you. Me. Zach had to work all week, and uh, you're going to be on the ones and twos on Friday as well. Cause I Zach's, will. Zach's still going to be fucking working. I will. We like having you. You're excellent. Oh, you got a safari t-shirt on, probably, too. I didn't even realize it's that. It's a Lufka cult shirt. It's a good but it, shirt. I, as I had it on today, I didn't change it because I realized that was basically your car. It's a good shirt, and I and I really enjoyed coming up to Newcomb's last Friday. I, we, we were closed for uh, Thanksgiving at Westside, so I got a oh, rare- Oh, that's how you were able to I go. Got a rare I didn't even Friday ask you. Off. Yeah, I got a rare Friday off, and- uh, uh, your your gathering at Newcomb's Ranch Friday mornings is very very nice. Good vibes breakfast. Very club. good vibes breakfast. Anyone who happens to be in Los Angeles and wants to drive fifty miles into the middle of nowhere <laughs> for, for a Dunkin' Donuts donut, it's a good donut. Um, that's our show tonight. Thanks everybody. I'll see you guys later. Goodbye.